Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops, with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something deviant and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Welcome to the 281st episode of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, and once again, Matt is out this week. I forced him to take this week off because Matt loves you folks. He wants to be here, but I told him he has to take the week off because he was still having some problems with keeping fluids down and all of that stuff, but he is in the road to recovery. They finally got him to where the nausea is under control. He's starting to take in some more fluids and electrolytes. And I just spoke with him before recording, and he told me that he is actually going to try and keep some food down. So things are looking better for him. But this week, I have a very special guest who is going to talk with me about who can kill a child. And that is my bromance boss. Hello. Beard brothers now. I'm trying to catch you up. (laughs) getting mighty. I am growing my sides back out on my beard. I trimmed it down and... And I had like this like full chin kind of thing where it's like the first half of my face is all beard and then the other section like on the sideburns because it's really bad uh, calyx in my beard like on that section of my face, <laughs> like on the very sides right below the sideburns. And I didn't like the way it was looking. So I 
trimmed it down and I made it really, really short. And now I'm like, well, it looks like the pandemic's not going to end anytime soon where I'm going to have to not be quarantined at work. So I'm growing it back out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mine's mine's mainly lockdown related and how it became like this. But I now have this really weird ridge under the chip. So there's like a ridge goes all the way around where I put a mask on. It digs into the beard. The beard has sort of grown in that shape. So I've got like a ski jump halfway down it. So now I'm like, oh, do I just cut it off? I don't know. That ridge is something that is actually happening to a lot of beards. You're not the only person that is suffering from that. I actually have another calic on my beard, like just under my chin where the mask would sit. It does that automatically. So like- Just how my mask sits on my chin is exactly how my beard has that cowlick that goes underneath it anyway, which granted the masks aren't helping, but I go nowhere. I go as little places as possible. Like Mm. it's like a court. We need to evacuate the city Uh, pandemic. I'm staying put, you know, like there's (laughs) like any excuse. It's like anything where they're like, hey, uh, we need to do no pandemic. I'm staying put like I won't go anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> I wish I had that luxury. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, as much as I didn't go anywhere, uh, the pandemic still made it to my front door. And me being the ironic living person that I am, I had no symptoms whenever it hit my house. I don't even think I caught it. I don't know how that even fucking happened. But I lived with someone who had it. We shared a bed. We, you know, I don't want to brag or anything, but I do open mouth kiss my wife. You know, we we, we were interacting in such a, a manner the entire time that she was starting to show symptoms. We were together and I never even once showed a symptom and I got tested three days after she got her positive result. I got mine back and it was negative. (laughs) I I believe I mentioned earlier that's because you are, as they say, metal AF. (laughs) Well, there's some talk about and we were joking about this uh, when we were talking about doing this show. There's some talk about the negative blood types have a some type of uh, antibody that goes back to the ancestors that may have been exposed to something similar to COVID or another type of rhinovirus like that. And then there is a blood type type O negative, which seems to have the actual antibodies to fight off COVID. And I have no fucking clue what my blood type is because I don't like doctors, but I'm, I need to go in and get all this stuff tested anyway to make sure I have antibodies and all that. And I'm suspecting that if that's the case, if my blood type is in fact type O negative, then yes, I am in fact metal AF. <laughs> Exactly. Because <laughs> there's nothing more metal than having the blood type that Peter Steele formed an entire band over. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the wife, luckily, whenever she caught it, it didn't affect her too badly. Um, I mean, she was still really, really sick, extremely tired, and it still kicked the shit out of her. But it was mostly the mild symptoms. And the mild end of stuff is still pretty awful on this. So, you know, and as I mentioned with everybody, Matt's doing better. Uh, he's going to be trying later this evening to try and keep some food down. But uh, since he got the treatment for the nausea, he actually was able to keep fluids down and is improving. So if he's willing to try food, because, uh, he, well, he won't listen to this. I've been told that Matt's a really big baby when he's sick. So if he's willing to try food, he must be really feeling better then. Well, um, talking about being sick, it's something that never happens to, thankfully. Uh, I seem to have the constitution of a rhinoceros, but um, if <laughs> if if I am sick, the world, the next door neighbors, the people up the street know about it. So it's like my ex-wife used to throw up and she'd be like, you just hear her <coughs> in the bathroom. I'm like, you being sick? Um, if I go to the bathroom for that, it's literally... <laughs> It's the loudest noise on earth. I pull, I pull muscles in my ribs or on my back. So I'm glad it doesn't happen too often. But uh, <laughs> spoilers, I'm in Spain right now. Hence my audio quality is up to my usual standards. 
um, to come here, I had to get a COVID test. And everyone said, oh, the test is horrible. I'm like, oh, I've had a camera shoved up my nose. I'm sure it's not that bad. Um, no, what they didn't tell me is a bit about where they put the test thingy on your tonsils. Um, apparently, I have the strongest gag reflex on earth. <laughs> so they're supposed to touch your tonsils for five seconds each side to get these swab tests. And he's literally going to open wide. He touched it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Try again. Do it again. <laughs> Over here, when they're doing it, they go all the way to the back of your brain to where they're basically like the little hole in the back of your sinuses that come out, like right around that same area. That's where they swab. They actually stick the thing like where it's almost coming out of that hole and spin it around. And that's rather yeah, uncomfortable. They, they stick it up your nose as well, which is the bit I always thought was going to be bad. But that paled into the insignificance. And it was like, he really didn't touch the tonsils long enough, but he couldn't. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm just trying not to throw up in your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't be the first person that did that as well. But but yeesh. Oh, yeah. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm assuming. You, yay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys both made it to Spain. And so yeah, the film yeah. I picked this week, Who Can Kill a Child, is about Brits touring Spain. Yep. <laughs> and why that's such Perfect. a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, so we've actually had the director and writer of Who Can Kill a Child on this show before. We covered his previous film, The House That Screamed, which was that kinky-ass boarding school rated G movie that should not have been rated G because it was a kinky-ass boarding school stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think our listeners may or may not remember it. Now, I cannot really pronounce uh, the gentleman's name. It's like I as Sandal R or something. I, like I said, I shouldn't have even tried. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> Narciso Ibanez Serrador. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. I just know Ibanez because of the guitars. And that's how I know how to pronounce it because of the guitars. But But that's that's where it's unusual. It's that's where it's unusual because it isn't Ibanez. It's it's got an Enye, which is a sound. So it's Ibanez. Okay. Now, this gentleman that we are talking about is actually the one who did, he wrote and directed The House That Screamed before this, and then he did this film as well, Who Can Kill a Child? Now, the original title is Who Can Kill a Child, but in Spanish, I'm assuming. Mm, yes. Yeah, because Matar is, is kill, right? M-A-T-A-R. That's the only A-R. one I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know enough Spanish to get myself assaulted in some places. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that we I picked this for this week, basically because I knew you were going to be in Spain when you kind of volunteered last week when I was doing the solo show. Um, I was like, I hit you up and you were talking about how this was the circumstance you were under, you know, that you're on holiday there. And I was like, ooh, well, who can kill a child would be perfect because A, I don't have to rip the subtitles for you because you should be able to understand most of the Spanish that's in the film, uh, much like the English tourists. Um, um, that's that's just a joke because <laughs> the, the yep. file that I gave you did not have the subtitles. And then B, you're already experiencing that and you would probably know some of the areas that they're going to visit, although the Armanzaf uh, island doesn't exist. It was fictional, but there are islands like that, I would assume, off the coast of Spain that they would have to we, go to, right? We looked it up. There's a village of that name inland. Oh, there. okay. Um, uh, but uh, no, I, I went to the south of Spain once when I was 16. Um, and generally the south of Spain is something I avoid like the plague because it's full of British people. So um, <laughs> we we reside in the north of Spain. So I, I don't have a lot of knowledge of the area, but I did go sort of that way once. So, um, but the so once I get to the island, and obviously the fiesta of the town there as well. It's um, it, there's a lot of things that are, are common culturally. So it, it was a very um, a lot of it was very familiar, and I really enjoyed it. And say so my Spanish is about the level of the guy in this film. <laughs> 
enough to be uh, able to buy six rolls of film and then try and keep your wife out of the discussion. Although she's the one that knows all the Spanish <laughs> in that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it. But yeah, some uh, the thing I love is he he talks perfect Spanglish, which there, there's two definitions of Spanglish. Some people think it's when you mix Spanish and English. That's one definition. What I call Spanglish is when somebody English learns Spanish words but doesn't give a fuck about pronunciation. <laughs> and he does it perfectly. So the so, traditional Spanglish. Yes, basically. <laughs> so um, let, let's use the film title as an example. Um, so I would say, Quien puede matar un niño? A un niño. He would say, Quien puede matar a un niño? <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like Ron Weasley trying to order something in a Spanish restaurant. <laughs> I mean, I get that. Mine's not perfect, but I'm making an effort. That's the point I'm trying to make here. And we met a guy at a Spanish like tapas thing once. And he lived in Madrid for like four years with his girlfriend. He was from Surrey in England. And he knew all the words. He could he could hold an entire conversation in Spanish. He pronounced none of them correctly. <laughs> it was just hilarious. Well, uh, you uh, learn a secondary language and the accent remains heavy for a lot of folks. That's where foreign accents, quote unquote, come from. If you're not from there, but you're speaking the language, but you don't bother to learn the accent or you are incapable of doing the accent that's where it comes from yeah it's it's, it's a little bit more because there are different ways of uh, pronouncing certain letter constructions so obviously in, um you don't you, you guys don't hear it so much there but obviously over here if there's a c or a z in a in a, in a word it's a th sound so you get people who call it um ibiza no it's ibiza <laughs> spelled with a z so there's little rules like that and and trying to roll the r's and trying to do the hotters <laughs> the, the gutturals that kind of stuff it's difficult because our mouths didn't form that way but i'm like if you're gonna learn a language i try and make it sound as much like it as i can and just in making that little effort people tell me everywhere i go wow your pronunciation is really good it's i don't have a good accent it's clearly an englishman's accent but the pronunciation is i'm just putting that little bit more effort in um but it's always hilarious to me when people don't <laughs> just always makes me laugh. Well, that's an interesting insight into the film that I totally did not have, being an ignorant American who thought everybody sounded all funny the way they were talking, even when they were speaking English, as far as I could tell. <laughs> or as I like to call it, speaking American. <laughs> American. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I wasn't even really actually even thinking about that. And you know what? I'm. Uh, let's stop beating around the bush about the movie. Let's actually talk about it. So we're going to play the Lo Legion GoFundMe mm. promo right now. We'll have a little bit of music that I yanked right out of Who Can Kill a Child. And when we come back, we will have the trailer. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time. And when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand scale take a penny, leave a penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar for those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com on our Facebook group page or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. 
For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. top of the music there about interesting choice of what now that we're actually the back. instrument there the, the melody the melody track I, what the hell was that uh i think it might have been a theremin it sounded very much like a theremin uh, to me they were popular back then weren't they uh they still are in my heart i absolutely love theremins i mean i have to say the overall tone of that music belies the film somewhat well i like when the score doesn't quite match up the stuff that's happening in the film i mean it kind of lulls you into this false sense of security as it's going with the score and i think it does a rather good job with that and the person who did the score of this waldo de los rios i believe his name and i'm gonna pronounce that as american as possible but i I do believe that he was known for avant-garde scores, and he also did the score for The House That Screams that we covered earlier as well, so I think it all fits. Yeah, interestingly, there's a there's a time with that name, Rios, I'll tell you off air. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, well, you could also tell me over top of the trailer. These people are on their way to a peaceful island paradise, but they are about to find out that it's a nice place to visit. But you could never live there. There is something wrong on this island. Island of the Damned. Tom, what's going on? What are those shouts? Where something strange is happening. And only they know why. You can see the innocence in their eyes. What you can't see is the evil in their hearts. Scream! We're getting out of here and we're going to run. Island of the Damned. Where a dream vacation becomes a nightmare. Island of the Damned, rated R. Island of the Damned? Yeah. That's that... a different film. <laughs> uh, Island of the Damned was actually released, um, it was released as Island of the Dam here in America for a short spin, and I believe that has a lot to do with the- Children of the Damned? Nah, not necessarily, because Children of the Damned, or Village of the Damned, or whatever it was that ended up being sort of an influence on this movie, I don't think that that was necessarily the case. I think they just wanted it to be because it was an island, and they didn't want to call it Who Can Kill a Child, and they ended up editing it down quite a bit as well. Oh, right.
So it just ended up being uh, changed quite dramatically, which is why the version that we watched runs around uh, quite a bit between, let's just say, different versions are in different languages. Like they'll have some moments that are in English and then they'll have some moments that are English and Spanish. And some of the stuff is subtitled. Some of it is everybody's talking in Spanish and it's subtitled. And some of that stuff actually got cut out. Like the American version is really trimmed down or the original American version of that. So it's just bizarre, but that's just the way that it goes. Uh, if you saw the hour and 51 minute version of it, that was the most full version. And that's the one that I did the notes for. I can't remember exactly right. which one I ripped. So <laughs> It felt that long. <laughs> oh, well, let's get started with it. Uh, who can kill a child? Me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, me too. Uh, the film opens with a title card of the film's name, Who Can Kill a Child? And our first clip. You'd give my shit for that. Russian troops had just finished liberating the concentration camp of Auschwitz. The SS worked at top speed to execute and burn the prisoners. There were not enough ovens to do the job, so the bodies were burned in the open air. The Polish people were allowed to enter the camp to witness the atrocities that had taken place. The prisoners were tattooed for later identification. Some of them had been used for laboratory experiments, such as virus inoculation, implantation of cancerous cells, skin grafting, etc. Many of the children were singled out for these experiments. On screen, we see one of them who has had a trepanation performed, creating an irreversible loss of brain control. These scenes, shot by the SS with their own cameras, demonstrate how the prisoners were forced to carry the bodies of their own relatives to the grave sites. Faced with such an enormous quantity of victims, they were forced to use bulldozers. Captured documents prove that at Auschwitz, almost 100,000 people perished. Of these, 40,000 were children, less than 14 years of age. At the time of their liberation, only 2,385 children were still alive, the majority of them sickened by tuberculosis or acute anemia caused by lack of food and medical attention. Okay. Now, everything that this person is describing is actually footage that we are seeing on screen as this is happening. And this transitions into a credit sequence with a humming child, which Boz has already stated that he hated and was really annoyed by. Uh, yep. Kind of humming over these panning still frames of various Holocaust victims. And then this transitions into footage of children that are starving. And I don't want to describe all of this stuff, so that's our second clip. Oh, the civil war between India and Pakistan killed over a million people. The victims were not only the result of the war alone, since a large nomadic population unable to find refuge was herded into improvised concentration camps in which there was insufficient food or water. These scenes show the trucks that daily transported the corpses of the aged and the children to the common graves. The help offered by the United Nations is not enough. UNICEF points out that in this corner of the world, one child dies every five seconds. All right. So in that clip, we see the descriptions of those various childhood victims. And this transitions into more credits with the children singing, which we've already established Boss is not very happy about at all. And in some cases, they're laughing as there's other photos of these victims that were mentioned in the clip. And then we transition into our third clip. Oh, fuck him. After three years and one month of fighting, the armistice was signed the past July 27, putting an end to the Korean War. With the peace, Korean orphans have found shelter, protection, and food. Thanks to charitable American foundations and the unconditional help of the government in Washington, which has built on the outskirts of Seoul, hospitals and rehabilitation centers. In these centers, the children are fed, taken care of, and rehabilitated physically, as well as psychologically. They are taught to appreciate their worth and even how to take part in sports. With the war behind them, 
And thanks to this humanitarian help, thousands of young Korean orphans will learn how to face with optimism a future of peace. All right, so we have established at the end of this third clip, we have a motif as it's more credits and children singing and laughing over more of the credits of the still frames of all of these various tragedies that they're showing us and describing here. Uh, I feel like we're going to be bombarded by this as a precursor to the actual film at this point because we've already gotten three and I'm personally worrying in my notes that we're going to have like six or seven of these before we move on. (laughs) And then I'm like wondering to myself, I even wrote this in my notes, but what will this have to do with the story of the film? <laughs> like at this point, I'm like, I'm like, are you just trying to bum me out, movie? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, but I was like, this is clearly going to be the most harrowing thing about this film. <laughs> <laughs> One would think, yes. And it also leads to our fourth clip. The war continues in the Indochina Peninsula. In many of the cities of South Vietnam, demonstrations are directed against the government. Grenades explode in the streets, cutting off the lives of men, women, and children. The American army has brought into the country almost half a million soldiers. These forces, together with the strength of their modern and efficient arms, will undoubtedly bring peace to Southeast Asia. Daily, American jets bomb military objectives. Sometimes, however, as we see on the screen, the bombings affect the civilian population. In the village of Tien Goa, hundreds of women and children were killed or set afire by napalm continuing the motif we get more credits and children singing annoying the living hell out of bars once again yep that, that one has a picture of the little girl who was had her clothes burned off by napalm and um uh, lavinia was actually watching that bit with me and she said she'd seen her in a nat geo documentary recently and looked it up for me um and that little girl has grown up and i think has a nobel peace prize um, for efforts against war uh, and things like that. So um, th- that really harrowing picture, because I was getting pretty bummed out as well by that point. And I was like, ah, oh, glad to see some good came of that horribleness. The interesting part about watching her running down the road is it looks like there's material that is hanging off of her body, but it's actually what's left of dead skin that boiled off or burned yeah. off as she's running around um, mm. trying to get help and is completely naked because her clothing has already been burned off because of the napalm as well. This film mm. is not pulling any punches. It is kicking you firmly nope. into the genitals, leaving its foot there, doing a half-heel turn twist, making you call it mistress, and then doing another half-heel turn twist. It's not letting go mm. because it's continuing <laughs> this really dark fucking motif. It's dark as fuck, and it's setting up the shows just how easily children are falling victim and die in these times of strife and the horror that man does against humanity the true victim is our children is what this is driving home and I, I'm getting it and mm. I'm, I'm totally feeling it and it's driving me up the fucking wall of depression like you would not believe even more so with our fifth clip <laughs> The civil war in Nigeria has been waging for two years. Tribes from the south have completed their encirclement of the Biafra region, the most affected by this conflict. The population flees to the north, attempting to take refuge in primitive concentration camps, but the meagerness of food and medical assistance makes them an easy prey for death. On top of all this is the specter of a terrible drought, which for six months has afflicted Mauritania, Mali, Nigeria and Chad. Over 11 million human beings face the threat of death by starvation or by thirst. The aid received is not enough. Needed urgently is medical help and food. As always, the most affected by the tragedy are the children. The International Red Cross calculates that up to the present, more than 300,000 children have died from hunger or dehydration. All right, so that's going to be the last clip for a little while, at least. (laughs) There are 12 in total for the entire movie, and the first five of them are all that intro, because I'm not writing any of that shit down. It's too fucking depressing. (laughs) I was looking forward to the clips, because some of them probably will be fairly mockable, but like the first five there are just like... Oh, yes. Reliving it again. (laughs) 
Um, It's tragic, all of it. But I mean, if you're going to do a hard-hitting, I suppose it's classed as a horror film, it's like, well, what could be more horrible than showing actual dead bodies, real live ones? I mean, straight away, in your face, bang, there, have a load. It's like... (laughs) Well, it front loads the message of what the movie is trying to get across because it seems almost as though the director didn't trust his own voice and the writer director didn't trust his own narrative that they're trying to show in the film to drive the point home to where they added this other stuff where they're like, yes, everything that I'm putting in my film is absolutely horrible, but it's based on this, which is real life. Now deal with it. That's what it just felt like to me. You know, I wondered if that was a buffer for the censors because they were worried they were going to get banned or something. So it's like, well, we'll put this front load it with all of this and then it just justifies whatever horrible things might happen to children later in the movie. I don't know. It's That plan totally backfired on them, though, because it was this stuff, the real life stuff that they included at the start that really incensed most people more than the actual content of the film. I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah, it it really bummed me out. Well, anyway, we got to bring ourselves up for this. So the film then dissolves Mm. from all of this death, tragedy, violence, corpses, starvation, the kind of stuff that Frank Cross would use to sell you a Christmas carol. It dissolves from that (laughs) into from these scenes of death and tragedy to a crowded beach with a child humming that exact same tune that we heard from earlier and playing in the sand next to whom I think is his mother, or at least I hope so, as the camera pulls out to show just how crowded this resort-like area of a beach is. All of that is a giant yeah, it, nope for me. All of it. <laughs> it's it's basically what the British have done to southern Spain. So they basically cut from completely emaciated, just skin and bones children in Africa to fat British people on a Spanish beach, which weirdly hasn't changed in all this time. You could go, well, COVID's obviously killed it this year, but normally you could go and just look at the beach and it would be fairly similar in how packed it is and how healthy looking the people are. Some 50 odd years later, not much has changed other than a pandemic has lessened the number of people on the beach. No, I mean, the biggest difference is when they're walking through the streets later at night and she's complaining it's too crowded and full of British people. Like, yeah, the difference is those people are mostly behaving. Now they're mainly vomiting and punching each other in the face as well. So that's our <laughs> reputation in Spain. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, yeah, that's mm-hmm. rotten. At least it's a Brit saying that about his fellow Britons. <laughs> when I first came to Spain, I was actually embarrassed because I... I'd say I went to the South when I was 16, but I didn't come back until um, 10 years ago. And I came to the North of Spain and I was convinced that every person who lived in the Spanish, the Iberian Peninsula believed that everybody British was like the ones who went and fought and threw up um, down in Ibiza and Magaluf and all those places. Um, Thankfully, it's not the case. They were quite nice to me when I got here. (laughs) You should try going abroad as an American. It sucks. (laughs) Well, mm. (laughs) I always tell everyone I'm Canadian if I'm out of the country. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's a montage of beach time fun until a very pale child walks up to what looks like a young woman doing what I refer to as a dead man's float. I'm not sure exactly what you refer to it over there, Boz, but, you know, floating upside down, pretending to be dead is what she's doing. The person is flipped over and we see that she is, in fact, an actual dead woman floating. We hear sirens Ah. of ambulances and police and see the body being dragged off the beach with rubberneckers, which I like to call onlookers who stare everywhere trying Ah. to sneak a peek. always pisses me off it's like if i was there i'd just be shouting at all of them yeah move the fuck back give them room let them work like they're crowding in like a couple of people look like they're trying to like stick their head into the ambulance to get a better look yeah (laughs) and like you know well these people are extras in the film you know and they're clearly excited they're in a film and they're overplaying it no that's what actual people fucking do like because we (laughs) 
you get road accidents, it slows down on the other side of the road. Why? Because everyone has to slow down and have a damn good look at what happened, you morbid motherfuckers. But yeah, everyone does it. We're all guilty of it in some way, shape, or form. I've even done it where I've slowed down and wondered what was going on with an accident, but I immediately sped up when I realized what was going on. I didn't stop to see if I could see any blood or anything like that. And I've driven past a car that was on fire with flames shooting out of it (laughs) on a highway I mean, that does draw the eye. (laughs) Right. But you'll normally find, because I drive thousands of miles in my job, um, you'll normally find that if there's a slight fender bender on the other side and the fast lane of the motorway on my side is slowing down so people can look, I'm the guy in the fast lane flashing all of his lights and leaning on his horn, gesticulating wildly, drive the fuck on, mind your own business. <laughs> I can miss that angry at that point. <laughs> well, they cut from this to in the ambulance, the paramedics discuss how the woman was not drowned and has several lacerations that appear to be from a knife or a razor on her torso. And the more that they look, the more that they see stabs and lacerations and things. And they deduce that she is clearly a murder victim, though where she came from is completely uncertain. Mm. They cut from this to a tourist couple arriving by bus to see the sights as the bus unloads. There are fireworks going off for this festive celebration in Benavi. I pronounced that right? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Well, they call it they call it Benavis, uh, but I'm sure you wouldn't pronounce the yes. I don't know actually. I've not I've not been there. Um, the, that that by the way, the festivities going on and all the explosions in the street completely authentic. Um, so it, here we have uh, I think it's the 24th of June, Saint Juan festival, and in in our little town here, they literally run around the streets with um, Catherine wheels on a spike above their heads. Um, and everyone wears like masks and cotton shirts um, and they go and dance underneath the sparks from the firework. And when the firework's done spinning, it explodes. So all you can hear all town is bang, boom, bang. <laughs> um, the dragon thing with the sparks coming out of its nose. I've been chased down an alleyway here by one of those. Um, people throw firecrackers on the floor by your feet. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying the first time you come. <laughs> That's insane. As long as they're not like yeah. M80s, you know, like little firecrackers just scare you, but like the bigger they get, the yeah. worse that damage can be. The thing is, in the UK, absolutely no way. The health and safety executive would lock that down tight. Uh, I just love the fact here, it's like, nope, let's just lob a few fireworks around town. <laughs> just having a few laughs didn't mean to cause a heart attack. Uh, the pronunciation of Benavi is what I was basing it on from what the Spanish speakers said whenever they were correcting the traditional Spanglish of our protagonists. <laughs> they are the worst tourists as well, because you do a bit of research before you go on holiday. So don't turn up into an extremely busy tourist spot in the middle of summer uh, during the day of their major festival and then go, let's see if we can blag a hotel room for the night. You pre-book that shit, seriously. Yeah, I had some issues with that as well, because, I mean, while I don't travel much outside of my actual home country, uh, everywhere we go, we always make sure that we do the research months in advance because we get very little time off. We want to make sure we use it wisely. So. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we see the large crowds and fireworks as our vacationing protagonists are trying to make their way through it all and take it all in. They run out of film and decide to get to the hotel before trying to acquire more film. So they didn't even bring more film on vacation, which would be a thing that you think you would do. And as you said, they go to check in the hotel and find that it's fully booked. So they didn't even bother to try and get it in advance. So they get an address for what is described as a bed and breakfast based on how the clerk describes it. It's a home that's converted into a place to stay. 
stay. Maybe there's not a breakfast involved, but at least it's a place that they can stay. And he got, he basically sends them on their way. He's being extremely polite, but you can see the way the actor's portraying it. The desk clerk is like, how many more of these fucking assholes do I have to send to this place? <laughs> yes. I kind of liked it, though, because he didn't bother. He Like, that guy, I'm telling you, 100% was fluent in English. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to speak to you in Spanish the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> right, because, you know, the Brits are awful over there, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> they make their way through the crowds and explosions being all fucking touristy about the pinatas i love how the wife never even heard of or seen one before it's the fucking 70s they had to have made it like elsewhere they were here in the 70s for fuck's sakes for parties but he- um, no in the in the uk not a thing uh i I didn't know what one was until I was easily into my 20s, probably. Oh, well, I stand corrected. So there she doesn't know. (laughs) But also bear in mind, she had to say, gracias. Is that how I say it? Gracias. Yes. Really? You didn't learn that one word? (laughs) That one word you didn't know? Yeah. Thank you is like the first thing I try to always learn in a foreign language. You need that when a prostitute's done. Yeah. We hear the wife of the couple say she wishes the children were there and the pinata is broken and the candy rains down. All the children rejoice. The guy with the pinata rope was an asshole, though. He was holding it so high. (laughs) Totally. They cut from this to the bed and breakfast as they are shown their room, which is the last one this hostess even has. So they fucked up so bad. They almost didn't have a place to stay for the night at this bed and breakfast, which was the backup. Mm, Quite nicely. Yeah, it looked like a nice place and all. They are only staying one night before heading off to the island in the morning. They tell their hostess that. They are looking to rent a boat and it is apparently a four-hour sailing trip away. It's very quiet and there's no tourists that hardly ever go there. I wonder why. It's four hours south of even the southern point of the mainland. (laughs) Wonder why tourists don't go there. (laughs) (laughs) There's a bit of a discussion about how much the wife loves the crowded chaos of Benavi, but the husband prefers Amandora (laughs) as it means less people are hogging up the beachfront property. That's what the husband's more concerned with. He wants to be able to get to the beach a lot easier without dealing with all of the other fuckwad tourists like him. Yeah. <laughs> the husband poses for a photo and then they suddenly realize once again that they are still out of film and they have to go get more. <laughs> That's when I was like, okay, fuck these two. They're too touristy. They go to buy film and catch some news about monks burning themselves in protest of the Thai army, causing civilians to flee in the hopes of catching American ships to flee to the Philippines from where they're at. The death toll becomes overwhelming and the couple shut off the volume when the clerk comes back to the film. The clerk drives home the point that the film has been trying to make about children who suffer in these horrible times. See, I think they could have trusted in the clerk delivering that line alone and talking to them. I think they could have trusted in that. And I think that would have been worth dubbing into English when they brought it over here and then cut the stuff down. I I think that would have helped them because the clerk basically says everything that they need to say with that discussion. But it's important to keep it also to where the wife doesn't understand what's being said, because it's clear that the husband is the typical bullshit male where he's like, well, clearly the little lady cannot handle this sort of thing. So he always like covers stuff up under the guise of protecting her, which all he ends up doing is causing her more harm and damage later on. (laughs) He annoyed the shit out of me. Especially as I didn't have subtitles. I was like, oh, oh, well, maybe this film doesn't have subtitles and we're supposed to just go with it. And then when somebody speaks to him in Spanish, he'll just, he'll do Basil Exposition and explain what was just said. I was like, oh no, no, this is clearly supposed to have subtitles. (laughs) 
I think it would be valid if you don't know Spanish to be doing this from the wife's perspective and not have the subtitles and just having the husband explaining and talking to everybody. And you don't know what's going on until he explains it to mm. her. I, I think that would probably be a valid way of watching it as well. Uh, we kind of talked mm. about this when we were kind of messaging back and forth about the film. And I brought up the movie The Shrine, which takes place with tourists going to someplace in Poland. And if you speak Polish while that film is playing out, all the people that seem to be like these cultists that are trying to harm the tourists are actually, in fact, trying to warn them and protect them. But because they're being <sighs> really aggressive and kind of violent about it because they're fighting off demon possession, like everybody's obviously terrified. And if you don't speak speak Polish, you're terrified for them because you don't know what's going on. But when you do, they're literally saying things like, no, no, stay away. You shouldn't have gone to that. No, she's possessed. Don't go near her. We need to do this. I am so sorry. You know, and like all of that kind of stuff. So That's a genius idea. I didn't know that. I need to see that film. Yeah, The Shrine is great. It is from the director and the team that made Jack Brooks Monster Slayer, which I find damn near autobiographical except I don't have monsters to slay <laughs> with the anger <laughs> issues and everything. So it's John Knotzer something like that, I think is the director's name. Uh, not easy to find the shrine, but an excellent film and I love it. Anyway, back to the actual movie we're talking about here. We cut to yep. photographs by the crowded beach as the wife goes into the water up to her ankles to enjoy the surf. There is an alert whistle blown and people dart off to rubberneck because God, there's another tragedy. What a great vacation. Mm. <laughs> yeah. While the couple then reunite, it cuts to more fireworks and celebration time as our couple enjoy the show with smiles and cheer. Some spectacular footage of fireworks here as well. I want to point out um, the party. It's good, isn't it? For the impressive. time. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder uh, how much of this was the film throwing in a budget for more fireworks fireworks or how much of this might have been stock footage of fireworks that they ended up throwing in but it was restored mm. beautifully it, it matched everything else in the film wonderfully and, and how it looked my wife is a huge fireworks fanatic so I was considering showing her just these portions of the film with the fireworks in it so she could see what they look like because I mean the progress of fireworks may have a few more patterns and things that they can do with how they wind this stuff up but it hasn't really completely changed it's still bright lights exploding out everywhere and it's still I, I love the shots <laughs> the shots of the guy just going along a line of rockets just lighting them all at once it's like <laughs> most dangerous and most epic job ever <laughs> um, but of course to get that footage um and obviously they were clearly there at the time of the festival because no way they had the budget to put that on so um it, it's conceivable actually yeah that was all shot on location at the time i don't know it would make sense i mean if you've got something like that that you could use why not up the production value of your your film by shooting these fireworks when they do a festival like that but i mean in barcelona they they do a firework display off the port there and it is always epic because they launch from the boats um it's yeah it's quite spectacular and you're selling me i gotta go to spain <laughs> but stay away from the south of spain i don't want to get in fight with drunk uh, brits <laughs> <laughs> i could again you, you'll get mail no I mean, there are lovely parts you just got to know where to go but i don't <laughs> They cut from this to the couple go walking around the red light bar district, people gazing into each of the individual bars as they cannot find a place to sit down. This leads to our next clip. Where are all the Spaniards? I suppose they're all in England. Shall we sit down? Where? It's so crowded. Well, we're not helping the situation. Oh. <laughs> What's the matter? Hmm? Nothing. What is the matter? Hmm? Oh, nothing. Nothing. I was just looking at the sea. Almanzora. Almanzora. Ah, Almanzora. <laughs> just over the horizon there. What else? What do you mean? There's something else on your mind. Well, I, I was just thinking about what that man in the photographic shop said. Oh, uh, that man is crazy, and people suffer most from his 
Madness, uh, the kids. Now that Thailand has fallen, Asia is in the hands of the communists, and uh, civil war starts because of Mao's death. Asia, there's no war here. Yes, but there was a civil war once in Benavis, Evie, and it could happen again. Do you remember La Dolce Vita? La Dolce what? La Dolce Vita. It was an Italian film. Uh, there was a character in it, a man who was very wise and peaceful, married with two children, loved his wife, and uh, no real problems. And then one night he took a gun, shot his two children, then killed himself. Why? I suppose to save them the world of the future. You wanted to kill him? We have two others already, Evie. This one's all right. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be going to Almanzora. Do you regret it? No, not now. Killing your kids so that not made to suffer from the mistakes we make? What, what was the director's name? Fellini. Italian? Yes. Of course. A fascist, just like Mussolini. <laughs> They're both crazy. Good night. What was that? More rockets. You're right. About what? Almanzora will be better. Here it's too noisy, too many people. Good night. Good night. Well, good on her for being able to pronounce this stuff correctly and correcting her husband and at least trying. And when it doesn't matter when she's just saying the name, she still tries her best to pronounce it properly for the name. I'm in Thora. You know, it's like she's still at least trying. And see, that's the difference. She doesn't know the words, but she tries to pronounce them properly. He knows the words and doesn't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because he's fucking British and he's got to keep the stiff upper lip. (laughs) But the bit about uh, where where are all the Spaniards? Like... (laughs) Yeah, that's the same now as well. <laughs> right. Is that crowded? They're working or they're not there? <laughs> well, it's like walking up and down Clifton Hill, I'd assume, on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. You know, it's all tourists up and down there. The actual natives, you know, that would be around that area only go there whenever it's the off season because they don't want to deal with fuckheads like me that are there <laughs> running up and down the street to all the haunted houses. <laughs> uh, I did want to mention, too, in that clip, we hear a discussion of they had a very serious talk about whether or not they wanted to keep the child that she is currently pregnant with. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I had no fucking clue that she was pregnant up until they actually bring attention to it. And mm. then it's like, seems like it's more obvious. So she must not be that far along. It's just now enough to cause distress for her back and things. Mm. But she kind of makes a statement where she's like, well, you wanted to kill our child because it would be better for him. You know, trying to guilt trip him about the abortion. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Red Christmas? What are you doing here? Mm. (laughs) And then they just kind of on that film. uh, And then she kind of like lets it go and they, they kind of move on. But it felt like she was trying to do a bit of a sting at him. Like, hey, you wanted to kill your own child. What are you talking about with all this stuff? And then she also does this thing where she completely dismisses the suffering because she's like, that's in Asia. That's not happening here. You know, it's like, well, it's people are still fucking (laughs) suffering, lady. Uh, you got to care about all of humanity. Otherwise, you're not a humanitarian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. So at the end of the clip, they say goodnight. And we see in the newspaper the man was reading that there have been two dead bodies that have washed up on the shore now in Benavie. They cut from that to their rented boat is being prepped. And they ask about a hotel as well that's on the island. And they're told that there is a boarding house, but it's pretty much the only thing there for them to be able to stay because it's that small of an island. And that it's always... At least half empty because there are never any tourists that go to this island. They load up the boat and climb on and are given a message for the barman that his beer 
will be there in the morning as they take off. And the wife says, good afternoon instead of good day. <laughs> I think the guys Which, were both like fine and it was the afternoon anyway. So she could have said good afternoon and it would have been fine. Her husband's just being a dick, right? Yeah, it's exactly what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> it was fine. It was clearly after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's not like she's saying have a good morning in the middle of the afternoon. She wasn't saying that, you know, she and Buenos Dias works. You know, I think he was just trying to say in general, you could say Buenos Dias and it'll be fine. But it seemed like he was being a condescending mansplaining dick. <laughs> I don't think he has a high opinion of his own wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that wrong all the time in Catalan. So it's yeah, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> We transition from them on the boat to a travelogue of their ocean adventure, and it's occurring as they find a flower that was kind of floating past them, and it's hinting that the dead bodies were from Amanzora. As the current washes up stuff from the island to the mainland, the, the husband says that, where some things will be washed that way, so that's probably where the flower came from. So it, the movie does a pretty good job there of setting up, hey, uh, that's where those two bodies came from. They're heading towards the danger. Like, it does a pretty good job of setting that up there with this little discussion. They comment on how deserted the island appears to be as they are greeted by a handful of kids playing in the water. There's like two little kids swimming around that get on the boat or use the boat to drag them in. And then another kid who's just kind of fishing on the dock. They kind of, the kid who's fishing gives them the stink eye. So the man asks what he is fishing. And then he wants to know what he's using for bait and right as he goes to look into the bait box or whatever it is it causes a bit of tension because the kid won't let him look in the basket and even just slaps the basket shut and his wife is overheated so they decide to go taking off walking around the town to get their room and all of that kind of stuff and as they're moving around we see what appears to be a completely abandoned ghost town that they take all in and love just how quiet and quaint it is that leads to our next clip I should have bought a hat. Well, we could buy one here. Good. There's nothing. Just uh, the sea, seagulls. And the sun. So hot. Adam, allow me to introduce you to the Plaza Mayor. It's exactly as it was 12 years ago. But Tom, what's that? Hmm? What's what? Oh, that's an ice cream cart. Oh, I'd love an ice cream. Por favor! Por favor! There's nobody there. Oh, never mind. Let's just take one and leave the money. Okay. It's melted. Mm. There's a bar over there. Come on. There's no one here either. Looks as if they left in rather a hurry. It's strange. No one's been here for so long. What do you mean for so long? Look, that's been turning for hours. Tom, I'm so thirsty and hungry. Well, let's see what they've got. Got a drink. There's Coke and uh, beer and coal too. And to eat, uh, well, all I can see is some sugar and burnt chicken. Ah, I think there's a shop outside, just to the left. Shall we go there? No, you go. It's too hot and I'm tired. I'll stay here. All right. Just as you like. All right. So there's a whole bunch of warning signs the minute they get to the town. And not just because the kids are acting weird and creepy, because kids often act weird and creepy. So that's not the thing that I have an issue with. There's burnt chicken moving on a rotisserie that's clearly just been overcooking the chicken for a very long time. Everything is empty. There's ice cream carts that are left unattended with all of the wares ready there for them to go scooping. And rather than thinking this is a problem, they help themselves to literally everything in sight with the guise of, well, we'll just leave money behind and it'll all be all right, won't it? Yeah. That seems a bit presumptive. Is this a British touristy thing that I'm not aware of? I think it's a movie thing. <laughs> it's like when people go to houses and they knock on the door once and they go, hello, and they give it 10 seconds, no one answers. So they just open the fucking front door and walk in and shout hello. I'd never do 
do that. Tom fucking um, does it later but, in the movie. <laughs> well, yeah. The thing is, like, I want to reference the thing about heat, okay? So you're taking your pregnant, heavily pregnant wife to a South Spanish island in the middle of the sea in the middle of summer, clearly. It's going to be 40-something degrees. Um, if you walk into a town like that at two in the afternoon, that the streets are going to be, be empty. <laughs> Because it's fucking hot. Everyone's indoors, fanning themselves. Some people might siesta back in the 70s. I think they used to still do that back then. That's another stereotype that everyone thinks everyone's asleep in the afternoon, and they're probably not. Um, but yeah, so I was thinking actually as a like from a filmmaking perspective, yeah, it was probably really easy to film that because they it looked like genuine sweat, like it was really hot. And I was thinking, yeah, you just they probably filmed between two and four every afternoon while there was nobody on the streets. Um, <laughs> trying to hide from the heat of the southern summer sun. Yeah, yeah. I did, they didn't plan this holiday at all well, did they? <laughs> no, I would say they deserve what they get, but I don't think anyone deserves what they got in this movie. <laughs> no. All right, so the husband goes wandering off and the wife grabs a drink out of the cooler. We see a sign of life in a window, so the husband stops to knock on the door, waits a whole of maybe 10 seconds, but then tries the door when there's no answer, just opens it, walks right in, shouts, good day back and forth while clapping and starts poking around where he doesn't fucking belong like he owns this fucking house i always hate when people do this in movies man <laughs> yep. it just wouldn't uh, do it it's complete with pulling up the sunshade of the window that he thought he saw motion in and looking out before vacating the fucking building he leaves the sunshade up so we actually see that he did that and then we kind of see a closet door open up as he leaves and we hear a child giggling so someone's playing a little game with him and they're having a little bit of fun and they're playing a little hide and seek before the nastiness already gets started in the film they cut from this to the wife has an encounter with what I wrote in my notes as a tweener girl because I couldn't quite tell her age but she looked like she was above 11 but south of 13 <laughs> who only stares at her smiling until she, the woman asks her name like maybe about a third time and then the child runs over and grabs at her stomach feels it and starts smiling at her it's really fucking creepy but you find out why it's even creepier later on in the film but that interaction was quite bizarre they cut from that to the husband enters an empty shop as the little girl listens to the heartbeat of the fetus and then gets up and wanders off despite the woman begging her to stick around at one point, the woman even says something along the lines of, maybe someday you'll have a child too, like trying to connect with the girl. And she just doesn't want to be left alone while her husband's foraging around the town. So she's basically like trying to beg the girl to come back. She actually kind of follows her out the door, but then she goes back into the shop and starts flipping toggles, looking for how to shut off the chicken burner thing. She starts- Oh God, because it was so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> So the woman goes back into the shop and starts flipping the toggles, looking for how to shut off the chicken burner. And the phone at the bar starts to ring. She answers it and says hello several times, but no one seems to respond. That's the most annoying phone ring of any phone ever in movies. And I was, just, I, I was listening to it thinking, oh, God, I wish they had software compressors when they did the soundtrack. <laughs> Everything was so shrill. I did compress it. I did uh, also uh, do a little bit of crossfading to shorten the ring because it was horrible and it's going to show up in some of the clips so people can hear it. Oh, yeah. So we see then the husband is raiding the shop that he was talking about, even looking for a hat and some food, stops to look at some type of a doll, and then we see that there is a dead body of a fully grown woman in the aisle right next to him, just on the other side. We even hear flies buzzing about, and the man seems to take no notice of this and continues on his way. I'm wondering if maybe he was infected with COVID because he clearly smelled nothing of that corpse. <laughs> I was going to say that because... It's as hot as they say it is. Even if she'd been dead half a day, there'd have been some odor. 
<clears throat> yeah, oh, nasty. Anyway, that leads to our next clip. Did you see anyone? Uh, no. Tom, it's not possible. Well, quite often the whole town celebrates some fiesta or other and everybody goes to the other side of the island. How about you? What do you mean? Did you see anyone? Oh, yes, a little girl came here and then ran away. Oh, well, this is what I managed to get. Bread, frankfurters, fruits, and some sardines. I have for you. Thank you. And uh, a doll for Rosie, just in the local costume, of course. Do you like it? What are we going to do, Tom? Well, first we're going to eat and then we're going to find that pension. Por favor, Ben, Ben! Wait, wait a minute. Come, Ben. Must be people on the island, because if there are children, then... Who switched the power off? What? The spit stopped turning. I switched it off. Oh. Don't you see what I mean, because... Aha, first meal in El Manzora. Here, we have uh, plates and everything else that we need, so uh, please to follow me, madame. And to sit. Uh, I will be your cook, your uh, waiter, and now some paper napkins, and... Uh... A few minutes ago, I answered it, but I hung up. Hello? Hello? No entiendo. I don't understand you. Pite, come and see here. Pite. Do you speak English? I don't understand you. Please speak louder. In English or Spanish. Hello? Hello? Who was it? It sounded like a child's voice. Spanish? Well, German, Dutch, maybe it was Swedish, I don't know. Tom, you said there were no phones on the island. Well, there's no direct link to the mainland, but uh, they may have installed a local exchange. Well, at least we know we're not the only people in the village. <laughs> Hello? Come, come and see so what? Was it the same voice? Yes. What's the population on this island? Oh, it's about 100, maybe 200. And when they go away for these fiestas, can you remember... Well, did they always leave a village as deserted as this? It's possible, I don't know. I never stayed behind to find out. They're marvellous fiestas. I mean, the people take along guitars and they sing and uh, <laughs> there aren't any rockets. What are you looking at? Hmm? Uh, nothing. Tom? Yep? Isn't this it? Yes. Come on. Tom, there must be someone in this village. What are we going to do? <sighs> Simply wait. Well, at least it's cooler here. Somebody's bound to turn up. Is there a bath? What'd you say? I'm bathed in sweat. I think I even smell of it. I'd give anything for a shower. Hey, there are other tourists on Elmanthora. Are they English? Dutch. It's a married couple and a girl. Could it have been a Dutch person? What? Well, the voice on the phone. You said it sounded like a boy speaking Dutch. Where are you going? Uh, the keys for six and seven aren't there. They might be upstairs. All right, so Tom goes wandering off to return and finds his wife is missing. And the wife talks about seeing an old man walking with a stick as a young girl wanders up to him, steals the cane from the old man, and begins clearly beating him with it. It's obvious. I Tom- thought we were just going to find... <laughs> Say what? Like, he goes and he wrestles a stick away from her violently. No, stop that. What are you doing? And I thought it was good about she was just, like, patting down some stuff. <laughs> yeah, but Tom asks her, like, why she has done this, because he, he can see what it is that she's done. And she's clearly beat the old mm. man to death with his own cane. And as he's asking her in total shock and fear, she just keeps laughing. And the more, like, upset he gets and the more horrified he gets that this happened, like, she just reacts by laughing at him and giggling and thinking this is fun and it's not a big deal. And this kind of goes back. We heard it in the clip as well. Tom really kind of talks over his wife. He doesn't really listen to her. He won't give her any agency at all. Mm. When she tries to explain... 
express concern, he's just like, never mind that, darling. I've got frankfurters for you. Now go ahead and eat. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Uh, but it's the same whenever he comes oh, back. And, and bimbo bread. Like, let's not forget the <laughs> national institution that is bimbo bread. I did not know it's, that that was a national institution. Oh, it's um, it's not good. It's like chemicals and flour <laughs> it's awful stuff oh that would be like our wonder Maybe. bread here then i would assume where it's like yeah all, the, yeah all nutritional value has been removed from the flour and then they use chemicals to put back and make it turn into bread yeah it's like it's like twinkies in the apocalypse there'll be twinkies and bimbo bread and uh, yeah, <laughs> so there'll be wonder bread over here and twinkies and fruit pies that's it yeah <laughs> All right, so after Tom confronts the little girl and she runs off, he collects the beaten man, and he may be still alive, but he kind of walks him back over and lays him down inside of like this stable area where there's straw, and it's very clear that he's dead. He is dead as fuck. He closes the gate behind him and wanders back to the wall outside where he overhears children laughing and talking as they have now transformed that old man's corpse into a very gruesome piñata. <laughs> It's inventive. I'll give him that. And quick. Okay, so there's a little girl with like a two-handed scythe where it's like a typical scythe where it's just the little hook. But instead of it being just a one-handed scythe version of that, there's like a longer pole that's two. And she's using that to take swipes at him like she's going to beat the pinata with a stick. But clearly they just need to cut open his guts. And they really build the tension because she takes a couple of swipes and misses before they actually like sink it in. And the film really judiciously cuts away and doesn't really do anything with the gruesome sound effects of like things spilling everywhere. But you can tell by the way the kids are cheering that they're happy to be celebrating where the guts are spilling all over them. You can totally hear it. But like just seeing the kids hoisting up the man's corpse and then one little girl swiping at it with a scythe, that alone is like time to get the fuck off of this island, dude. Go now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But like I said, as you see Tom walks off in fear, you can hear the kids celebrating. So that's where you have to know that there had to have been some guts spilled. He goes back to talk to his wife, and that leads to our next clip. What happened? Uh, there's nothing. Tom! Nothing, nothing, nothing. Look, Tom, what happened? Look, the, the little girl was uh, uh, playing with the old man. Playing? Without, without Look, I meaning. Saw, she, she, I saw her hitting was only playing. Evelyn, okay. All right. Tom, you're lying to me. Tom, look, I saw how you carried the old man in your arms. Now, what happened? The, uh, the girl struck the old man and uh, she injured him. She well, hurt then why him. didn't you bring him here? Because I took him to his house. Oh, you're lying. Look, Evelyn, I'm telling you the truth. I took the old man home. Uh, it's, it's just down there around the corner. Look, Tom, I saw how she hit the old man. I saw how you carried the man in your arms. Now, look, where is the girl? I left them both at home. Tom, will you stop lying to but me? she cut his forehead and it was bleeding a little. Tom. That's all. Now, you get a hold of yourself. There is something wrong on this island, and you are trying to keep it from me. If there is something wrong, then whatever it is, I think we should leave. Evelyn, I... Hello? 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 Yes? Could, could you speak more slowly and louder? Are you... Are you Brit Vandenholder? Tom, please don't go up there. It could be that girl. Well, Tom just completely discounts his wife, removes all agency and control over the situation that he's clearly gotten her on, doesn't seem all that concerned about the safety of his own unborn child. Every opportunity he gets, he abandons her and leaves her behind. I would never do any of this stuff, but that's what makes it a horror movie. <laughs> but, but also, like you said, it's time to get the fuck off the island. 
what, why does he explain everything away and stay put when he knows there's a gang of murderous children just around the corner from his pregnant wife? That, <laughs> Who, that's the most insane part of this movie. Yeah, where he he's seen them clearly reveling in hanging a corpse or a mostly dead man who is not quite a corpse yet, transforming him into a human pinata so that kids can be showered in his guts. I'm pretty sure yes. that that's the point when you want to get your pregnant wife, who would be a much more fun pinata for the kids that are that psychotic. The fuck out of there. Yeah, absolutely. At least get her to a place where you can lock the fucking door and tell her what's going on. Like, don't try and cover it up because you can't upset the little missus. I mean, fuck that bullshit. Mm. The, the other thing I love that he does, it always reminds me of Eddie Izzard bit, actually. Um, he does the British man abroad thing, which is, can you please speak louder and more slowly? Sausage, egg and chips, please. <laughs> well, you just don't, don't you understand, English man? Well, you don't try, do you? <laughs> I also want to point out, he says something about how they're speaking Dutch, and I think they are speaking Deutsch. <laughs> uh, yes, it's German. Yeah. It's clearly German, because anybody who's seen any uh, World War II era kind of movie has heard the words, come and see here, bitter. <laughs> come on, I never learned German and I know what the fuck that means. All right, so after this, Tom goes up the stairs and finds room six bursting with luggage and room seven, the site of another grisly double murder. Again, Tom, time to get your very pregnant wife the fuck off this island. <laughs> yes. He hears another noise and investigates that because who needs to be concerned about his wife at this point, I'm supposing. The wife sits down and tries to calm herself because Tom's not there to comfort his own very pregnant wife. I'm really angry at Tom here, apparently. <laughs> then Tom walks up another set of stairs to see if he can locate the source of that noise because that's more important than protecting his wife. Well, I'm really bitter here. <laughs> he wanders through what looks like an attic hayloft and a man sneaks out from behind the door and just wanders off right out as Tom's walking around through there. The guy just kind of wanders right out there and runs down the stairs. We see the wife is opening a moist towelette as the mysterious man walks down the stairs towards her. This actually, this sequence builds tension really well because you don't know what's going on with that person. You don't know if they're involved with it. And you know that Tom is too far away to be able to do anything if the man reaches the wife in time and he does have any kind of evil machinations toward her. Uh, I really enjoyed this sequence, even though it really pissed me off and angered me about everything that Tom was doing. <laughs> so it was clearly very effective. Uh, so Tom starts digging around that loft more as the wife preens herself with this moist towelette. That was actually really enjoyable to watch. She was so concerned about how she must swell of, smell of sweat that she decides to take out a moist towelette to clean up right there in the lobby. And then the mysterious man is just creeping down the stairs at her. She says Tom's name several times as she hears the steps and the creeper pauses for a moment trying to figure out what it is that he's going to do, then continues his descent and the wife walks over to the staircase because she's not a wilting willow. She is prepared to find out what's going on and looks to see if she can see her husband all the while echolocating by saying Tom's name over and over <laughs> and over again. Just letting the children and this creeper guy know, I'm right here. Tom, Tom, I'm down here. So Tom is now in some kind of an attic space filled with discarded furniture that's all kind of piled up when he hears his wife scream his name in fear as he comes running as fast as he can, the mystery man is standing between them with a broken bottle, threatening them to stay away. He's terrified. We don't really know what's going on here, but if a grown man is this scared, clearly something bad is going on. <laughs> the wife reaches to the man who is clearly traumatized, says please, and the man softens. They cut from this to the wife in bed, and Tom gives her a sedative, perhaps, and goes to speak to the man about what is happening 
He says he doesn't know and is on the verge of breaking down when Tom has to get him a drink because a drink and a stiff upper lip is the way to handle any crisis. Also, don't let your wife in on any of the decision making about her own safety. <laughs> yeah. Forever the British way. Translate nothing. <laughs> Tom asks again about what is happening, and the man says it started two nights ago at about 11.30. They heard children just wake up and laughing and conversing. Like, they all just kind of woke up together at once and then just started forming in this group. They started going from house to house in these small groups, murdering the men and women all the while laughing as they went, and then just basically adding to the ranks with any children that were inside. The man said that he watched from the window as his wife looked from the doorway so she's in the open doorway and he's up from like upstairs in a window while this is happening and the children came rushing in the doorway with knives and clubs they came up to his wife and brutally murdered her he talks about grabbing his shotgun and being able to do anything about it because they were children i believe he even says the title of the film because who can kill a child he does <laughs> yeah and he actually does say that he says no one in the village could do anything about this they were incapable of defending themselves because because the title drop, who can kill a child? And because of his fear, he has to hide in the attic and could hear them looking for him the entire time and that he was just too terrified to come out until he heard the couple's voices. He knew there were other adults there as well. When asked how he was cut, he says it was when he left his room, he must have fell and because it was dark or whatever. I'm thinking that uh, one of the kids attacked him and he ran in fear and he didn't try to defend his own wife. And as an excuse was who can kill a child, even though he had a shotgun. Yeah. Because the guy I, seems I was thinking much real jumpy. Yeah. I, he seems mm. real jumpy and real afraid, and he just doesn't seem capable of being able to keep it together. So I think he just ran, and he's trying to justify it now. Definitely. Tom asks the man if it is possible that there are any other people still alive on the island. The man says that he doesn't know that there are more remote locations where people might be alive. Tom goes over to the radio and listens for any reports, but finds there is no problem anywhere else. It is only here that this is happening on the island. Only at this island are children murdering adults for fun and <laughs> pastime. Just then, the wife walks in and the phone rings again as Tom answers, asking where the woman is. <laughs> again, being very British about it, where he just continues to yell at her in English like that's going to help. Yep. <laughs> Although that's very also Americana as well. Clearly to speak your foreign <laughs> language, I just need to shout English at you louder. Yeah. We see someone is trying to break in where she is and that she is terrified, so they try to figure it out, but the kids break in and they lose the connection. They find out where the town switchboard is, asking the man. He kind of describes what's going on, and Tom decides that it's more important to save a girl that he's never even met than stick around and protect his own wife. So he, yes. so he just darts off to the other side of the island to try and find this lady at the post office, and he darts up the stairs as well. He finds the window has been smashed, and the woman is gone with the chair overturned and the window to the outside world is wide open. He looks down and then jumps out of the window onto a large pile of sand, which is there to break the fall, I'm assuming. Runs to an open <laughs> doorway, wandering in, and we see it's the church and we can hear the sounds of chattering kids playing and we see one of them is actually wearing the bloody dress of the girl that we saw earlier. She's walking around with the dress and then there's another young girl praying at a sort of confessional. The girls that were all playing around with this bloody dress run off and Tom walks in to what looks like a bathroom with a bunch of young boys stripping the clothing off of the woman's corpse giggling as they reveal her breasts before they all take off running when Tom walks in and yells at them. That would kind of be a thank you movie because it's the only breast that we get in this film but uh, yeah no that's Dude. all sorts of fucking gross. Dude. 
<laughs> yep. That's a total like, oh God, these kids are really fucking gone. The bit I don't get is they ring the bell to attract him and he hears the bell and runs towards the church at the sound of it. So like, well, it's a trap. So it seems like the perfect trap. They could just ambush him and kill him as another adult on the island. And they don't, they just all giggle and run away from him. It's a really weird setup, that bit. I don't get their motivations at all at that point. I think it's like once they know for sure that the uh, adults know that they're killing adults, then that's the thing, like I'm guessing. Or maybe they were more focused in on enjoying the aftermath of the kill here and what those boys were going to do to that woman's corpse. Let's just leave it up to your necrophilic fantasies, folks, because that seems to be what they were planning on doing. They were trying to get her clothes off. So, yeah. And they were all about the right age to be that kind of like pervy curious like that. (laughs) They were. Yeah. So Tom ends up checking on the young woman who is very most sincerely dead. He ends up getting blood all over his hands. And then he wanders back through the church, hearing more of the prayers of the young girl who is still sitting at that confessional before she also runs off. Tom walks over to the confessional, pulls back the curtain to reveal that there is a little boy sitting in there who smiles at him and then runs off. That is a creepiest smile I've seen in a long time on a kid. Was that the fishing? That was a fishing lad, wasn't it? It was the same one. Yeah, I believe so. I think. Yeah. Tom returns to the hotel and tells the mystery man they need to return to the mainland at once to escape and tells his wife that they must leave at once, but doesn't really tell her what's going on. But I'm pretty sure that he told the mystery man because anyone with a penis can handle this kind of tragedy, but clearly not his wife, who is very, very pregnant and in very much danger. <laughs> but at that point, she argues the opposite. So they basically flip camps. <laughs> so the point at which he should be right, this is embryonic stage. Let's get the fuck off this island. She's like, no, let's stay here. And then at this point, she's like, we need to get off this island. No, sorry, other way around. <laughs> There's an outtake for you. <laughs> so he's saying we should stay put. Now he's saying we should get off the island. And she's like, no, I want to stay put. It's like, oh, just make your minds up, please. Well, I think she still thinks the girl's alive. And she thinks that they should stay there to try and get and save that girl if they can get a chance before they try to leave. Because Tom doesn't tell her. And Tom knows that the girl's dead. So he's like, there's no one else here. Let's just go. We got to find a way to get out. We got this guy who's going to run off crying and not help us. But whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Before they can actually act on what Tom decides to do, a child comes up to the mystery man. She's crying and saying, Papa, please, uh, Papa. Then something about the aunt is sick, and so is the grandma, the aunt staying with the grandma, that they're hurt, something's wrong with them, and she's not able to help. He tries to comfort the girl, and then he walks off with her. But we know that this is to his death, and it's obvious. Tom even tries to warn him, like, dude, you're going to die. And he's like, this is my daughter. What do you want me to do? I have to go. I have to. That's kind of how the guy responds. Like, he knows what's going to happen, but he can't help himself because who can kill a child right besides you and i (laughs) we've we've answered this already (laughs) (laughs) the couple watch as the child and father walk off hand in hand and as they go around a corner and out of sight we hear the man scream in pain and the sounds of kids laughing and swarming him and i could have swore with the headphones on i heard noises of like clunky like stabs and clubs and things but maybe that was just my mind playing tricks on me it's wishful thinking Yeah. Tom tells his wife they need to run no matter how difficult it is for her that she needs to keep up. She needs to be able to do this. They need to get moving. And that he cannot fully explain what is currently happening. She just has to do this. She just has to trust him. So they grab hands and dart off towards their boat and the main part of the town. And as they're doing this, we see some small legs step into the frame and that they've noticed them that they're taking off. I think it's at this point when they're like, okay, well, they're not going to stick around. We can't let them leave if we're going to keep playing with them we need them to be here to torment. So 
As they're heading to that sort of other side of the town square, there's a little like gate area that leads off to a road that will take them to the docks. And all of the kids just sort of, or there's a shitload of fucking kids that just kind of congregate Mm. right there and block their way. And then we actually do see that as they're running through the square, there's some other kids that are kind of pursuing them from the other side. They're trying to basically lock them into an area where they're hunting them down and get them. They're, They're hurting them like prey. It's a little creepy. Yeah. And they're also, as they're going past, you see kids looking out the windows and kind of like, I'm guessing, doing some kind of a spying thing, like to report where they're going and what direction they're going. Or at least that's how I took it. Maybe it's just kids like, ooh, more playmates. It's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> At one it's point, that, they were psionically linked. <laughs> it's a possibility. It's very much like the Village of the Damned, only like with psychotic killing <laughs> aspects of it. Uh, mm. At one point when they're running away, the wife trips and falls to the ground stomach first, which is horrifying. And she says she cannot keep going. Tom hoists her up, forces forces her to run with him as they make it to the docks. That was really hard to see where he picks her up, Mm. is half carrying her, half dragging her, then sort of forces her to get her legs underneath her and keep running and then keeps making her run, even though she just went stomach first and is very clearly pregnant. Yeah, that made me wince hard. (laughs) Yeah. This is where we end up seeing pretty much every kid in town blocking their way, and Tom drags her over to the Jeep, yanks a corpse out of it, which makes her scream because she still doesn't fully know what's going on, and this may be the first actual human corpse she's seen in the town. Mm. It won't start up at first because we need to build that tension, and then the kids enjoying this start moving towards them slowly. However, finally the Jeep gets going, and it's just in time for them to narrowly escape the onslaught of anger kids that don't want them to go. At that point, I would have just driven straight towards the bunch of kids (laughs) chicken time (laughs) same that leads to our next clip the children they're just little children what did the man in the pension tell you just that something strange should happen to the kids on the island strange but what i don't know some sort of madness i don't understand it where are we going now there are a few houses on the other side of the island we might be able to find a boat there where are all the adults where are the people There's a boat near that house. But why do we go down there? There are children there. Tom, what is happening to these children? I don't know. It just isn't possible that all of them have gone mad. And I don't understand why they've been attacking. It's as though they thought we adults were their enemy. Perhaps the children on this island, either by instinct or by an evolutionary development, have started to... To what? Come on. Signora, uh, what is status? Anochi, no pasa nada aquí. Anochi? A ver más gente en casa. Ocurre. A ver más gente. Mi madre y los chicos. Es necesario barca para ir a Benavís. Vayan al pueblo, al otro lado de la isla. No ser posible. Mi marido y mi cuñado tienen una barca de pesca. ¿Dónde estar? En la mar, faenando. Volverán al atardecer. Esa no vale. Que en el fondo agujereado. Tom. Could you ask her for a glass of water for me, please? Tiene agua, por favor. Sí, sí. Pase, pase a la casa. Gracias. All right, when we were playing that back live, I actually heard you giggling over that. So what What? What was the little bit that made you giggle there? <laughs> it's his accent. It's just, his accent it's again? His, no, he's just, uh, his lack of pronunciation. <laughs> uh, so it just, uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. <clears throat> I shouldn't be so mean. <laughs> 
All right, so the end of the clip dissolves into the wife getting sick in the sink and having some water. So she's clearly got some heat stroke or something along those lines on top of biffing it onto her gut while running from some psychotic children. Mm. So the woman that's at this house that they end up at is helping her out and trying to take care of her and is being very hospitable and taking care of these British assholes that just showed up on their door demanding to be able to get a boat. And a glass of water, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and the woman asks Tom about how far along the wife is and then they offer tea for the wife just to try and make her feel better as well. And we see that the two boys that were this woman's children are just kind of staring at them because they're new people just sitting in their house. And then the mom immediately starts beating on the children and yelling at them, (laughs) telling them they need to get the fuck out of here and just to let these people be. Mm. And as they do that, even more kids show up um, from the other side of the island. They show up and somehow just from conversing or smiling and looking at each other, they infect these children, which is what you were saying about that whole psionic communication or like this weird um, brainwave type thing that's going on between them. Is it just from saying hi? Is that all that it took? Because it just seems like after a couple of seconds with the kids just being around each other, that infection spreads. I'm not sure what it was, but I really like the way they did this. And it was a super creep factor for me. It was like hypnosis. It was an eye contact. There was something going on there. It was like, yeah, you just left guessing. Yeah, whatever it was, you just totally can tell these kids change over because Tom walks outside and sees the kids all sort of congregating around the boat, which is a way of saying this might have been your way out of here, but you are not getting out of here until they all just kind of hang out watching them sitting right there by the boat, just kind of standing between them and the Jeep. That was really fucking creepy. Like they're, they're like, yeah, you're screwed. The couple then cautiously walk over to the Jeep and get in, firing it up and taking off while the woman of the house shouts that the fishing boat will be back very shortly then she tells the kids that they need to wash up for dinner but none of them will listen she tells them a couple of times none of them listen and as the camera pans out we see that the cliff just above this little seaside house is swarming with tons of children from the town Mm. that was really fucking creepy yeah yeah oh that was so fucking creepy (laughs) she dead (laughs) and a creepy old mom's dead too that leads to our pent ultimate clip it's just possible all the children of the village are coming here. But Tom, if we go back... We'll cross through the village in the jeep without stopping until we reach that boat, whatever happens. What do you mean? If we run into any of them, never mind. Never mind what? We must reach that boat. He's saying we got to run over the kids. She's saying, what are you trying to say? And he's saying, never mind that. Don't worry your pretty little head. As <laughs> <laughs> said, no, if we run into any of them, I'll fucking run into them. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, we come across children. We're running over children in this jeep because they're trying to kill us. All of this clips by the way. <laughs> they reach the town by nightfall and the children all swarm the main path to the docks once again. Tom tries to gun it towards the children, but the wife grabs the wheel screaming no and won't let him and they just kind of turn off and crash into the barrels, which I believe were only in the town square specifically for this crash. Yeah, just crash protection. <laughs> it's all about, it, it does make me think of another comedian, British comedian boat called Frank Skinner. I love this guy. And um, one of his bits was, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of people don't know I used to be a children's entertainer. I was called Badumph Badumph the Clown. Everyone looks at him. Like, well, yeah, Badumph Badumph. That's that's the kid. That's the noise kids make, isn't it? Well, it is when you run over them. <laughs> Well, after the Jeep crashes into the barrels, they get swarmed by the kids. They get out, they make their way through, and they get inside of a building and are able to lock the children out. It looked like that might have been the town jail because it looked like that was a policeman dead at the office and there was a couple of what Mm. looked like cells, but it wasn't very big because obviously it's a small island, small community. But they'd had to have some type of police force and that looked like that's what that was. That's the only way I can really explain that type of rifle that's there as well. Yeah, uh, well, rifle, handgun, and bars on windows. Uh, Yeah, it's a safe assumption. I think. 
Yeah. So it's some type of uh, semi-automatic to automatic rifle that looks like about the Spanish Civil War era might be a holdover that the got issued to the police. Uh, mm. I didn't recognize the actual make itself. I was going to look it up, but then I forgot because I'm lazy. I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> Oh, fuck it. I'll just mention that I'm lazy and I didn't look it up. Anyway, they find the adult corpse with that rifle. They sneak around to the back of the building and look for another way out, but it's a jail, so they're not going to find it. So then they lock themselves in what I'm assuming is a cell because bars on both sides of the windows with a little viewport that moves. The kids then swarm yep. the building, looking at every room in the building after they break in. This was fucking horrifying. They were like little ants just like moving together in a hallway, swarming mm-hmm. individual rooms and splitting out. They really choreographed the kids in this well. That was terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. And they find the room that the couple is locked in, the cell, and so they start working on that door, trying to break it open, pushing it open. They even grab a battering ram, yeah. and Tom shores up the door trying to fight against them. This was a really interesting sort of cat and mouse they had going on back and forth. It starts to appear to be very hopeless, as the kids end up grabbing a revolver, giving it to one of them that they hoist up the smaller kid to the window behind the wife with the revolver. They're gonna try and kill them but before the kid can get off the shot because he doesn't know how to work a fucking gun if that was me those <laughs> adults would be dead by the way because i wouldn't know how to do a revolver <laughs> at that age anyway tom shoots the fucking kid with the rifle dead much to the wife's horror i don't think that were they to survive this tom and the wife are going to be married for very no. long after she watched him shoot a child in the head <laughs> not just a child in the head the cutest child in the entire movie is the one they send up there it's he's a really cute little face and he shot him in that face and so so I thought that was quite brave of them. Um, question for you on the revolver, though. So you're saying you know how to handle a revolver. If you've got the drop on someone, you don't pull the hammer back, surely. You just squeeze a trigger. Depends upon the revolver. Some revolvers, you actually need to put it into a firing position, and then oh, it'll, right. it'll yeah. go back when you pull the trigger all the way. Uh, some revolvers, when you pull the trigger, it actually takes it back and then spins the cylinder at the same time when you pull it all the way back. Then you release yeah, and pull the trigger twice, and it'll do it. Um, the age of the revolver that I was, from what I'm gathering, like that the kid was working, it looks like he tried to do the trigger first, then had to cock back the hammer. So it oh, must have been. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah, because some of the Old West versions of that, you had to get the hammer all the way back into the prone position, and that would do a lever that would make it to where you could do the repeating. That's why you see a lot of the Old Western guys, um, when they're firing their gun multiple times, they just run their hand back across the hammer, yeah. because mm-hmm. that was the kind that you had to cock, shoot, cock, shoot, and yeah. that's the case. So, of course, the other thing, a little kid like that might not have been strong enough to pull the trigger to turn the barrel. It's quite a lot of force required, probably. I don't know. That's a possibility as well. He's got tiny little hands, but the point is, he should have had that hammer cocked back for him before he got up to the window so he could be more covert with his mission. These horrible, evil children are not good at being horrible or evil. Amateur hour. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so Tom is obviously also mortified of what he has just done. I mean, who else besides Boz and me wouldn't be? But on the plus side, <laughs> they now have a revolver too because as the brat dies, he drops it into the room for them. So they have twice the amount of guns that they had. They do. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I don't want to be unfair to these kids, but they just shouldn't have sung so much at the front of the fucking movie that they signed their death warrants as far as I was concerned. Kill them all. Tom then pushes the kid's corpse out of the window so they don't have to look at it. That was my favorite part of this whole sequence. <laughs> and that, did it go ba-dump, ba-dump? Yeah. I, no. <laughs> and that leads to our final clip. They leave. Nobody dared to attack a child to kill one of us. That's why they weren't afraid, but now they are. Tomorrow morning, Enrique and some others will reach the island and we'll go inside. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 
children realize what they're doing? I don't know. <laughs> a normal child is not capable of killing an adult. Well, a normal man, yet I've managed to propose that, that we kill a child. Stay So we get the answer to the question whenever the ships are down. Tom is the type of person who can, in fact, kill a child. The wife is going into absolute shock and horror. We kind of hear it. She's starting to basically collapse at what they have just done and what they've just been through. I think everything finally hit her and Tom's been trying to protect her. But in the end, he's made this final reveal shock even that much more terrifying for her. Mm. She's seen one body. She's run in fear. They almost run over some children. She stops it while running in fear. Tom shoots a child in her face in front of her. <laughs> who was about to shoot her. Obviously, this is too much all for her to handle. Maybe a little bit of like a couple of steps leading up to this trauma would have helped her realize just how grave the situation is, Tom. You're a terrible husband. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Tom attempts to comfort her and lays her down on what looks like some boxes, although it may have been what's supposed to be the bed for the cell, but it just looks like a bunch of stacked up boxes in this back room here, right at the end of the clip. He then checks the empty building. He gets a pillow and some water for his wife to help calm her. He grabs a ciggy, shuts and locks the door before popping a squat and then lighting it. This fades to an empty building and the two of them completely alone in the back room of the jail. And we hear Tom's wife screaming in pain and it appears that she is giving birth but she shouts how it is not the same as it was with her other two children she thinks this child is attacking her from within as an yep. attempt to kill her this really kind of got me i was like oh jesus yeah you see it, all it did was send me straight towards brain dead uh, uh what's that have that film you you guys name wrong uh, dead alive right. so uh the the new baby is now baby selwyn in my brain there we go <laughs> What I was kind of wondering is like, is this her just losing her mind and thinking that that's what's happening with some of the pain or is her child also infected from earlier with that interaction with the little girl? It doesn't really matter because as the wife is relaying the story of what happened with that interaction, we see blood starting to pour down from between her legs. I think she may be miscarrying or also when she fell on her stomach, this may be damaged from that. And this is just how she's interpreting it. But yeah, that's what I thought. But also, maybe it's just this terrifying moment of the fact that even in unborn children will start to attack the adults that they're riding inside of because that is a horrific thought as well. No matter what it is, this is terrifying to watch because she's slowly bleeding out and dying while screaming about all of this with the interaction and trying to tell Tom what happened and telling him that she's sorry and all of that as she just basically collapses and dies right there in his arms. Mm. Ah. I don't know if it's from the internal injuries inflicted by her unborn child or the fact that she fell on her stomach and it's caused a miscarriage that also did damage to her. But after this happens, Tom sits back against the wall and looks at his wife. They cross dissolve from this into the morning light as Tom grabs the rifle and walks over to his dead wife to look upon her longingly one last time. He gives her one more kiss goodbye. He unlocks the door and walks out into the daylight sun, holding the gun and staring at the empty town. He walks towards the docks and looks down down at the jeep as he walks past barely holding on to the rifle he's clearly this is him like i'm gonna get out of here or i'm gonna die trying he just doesn't give any fucks anymore he seems like he doesn't even really want to live he's just gonna do what he needs to do but then he walks through the main square without incident and then the kids line up further down the lane to block him as he stands there with the gun looking at them all mournfully before raising it cocking the gun leveling at the kids and shooting a hole through the group just so he can dart off towards the docks and his boat. Or as I dubbed it, this is America-ing it. 
What's that dude? His video. It just um, Donald Glover. Uh, no, no, no. Um, it's a music video. He's amazing. Uh, yeah. This is America. Childish, Childish Gambino, aka Donald Glover. Childish, oh, sorry, I didn't know his real name. Yeah, Childish Gambino. That's the word I was searching for. Where he just does that spray and walk away. It just reminded me of that so much. But it created a hole. <laughs> he got through. Yeah, he darts off towards the docks and he makes it towards his boat. He works on the knot holding out the boat. And I'm like, why didn't you have a knife? Why didn't you just cut that line? What does it fucking matter? Then you could have pushed the boat away and you could have gotten further away before the kids got to you. But whatever, he's panicking. <laughs> the kids swarm the boat and him. He tries to get the boat fired up, but is swarmed by all the kids. He clubs them with an oar left and right until yeah. they pull him down. And then a little girl stabs him in the shoulder with some scissors. And then he jumps up and he gets stabbed in the leg with a knife. He fights his way free as what appears to be two policemen in the front of a boat approach him. Tom begs for help, but appearances win out in this case as Tom is shot <laughs> dead by the cops and it's falls into them, the water. It's not me. It's them. <laughs> right. I mean, appearances I, are going to definitely win out on that. It looks like a guy being swarmed by children that he's beating to death. Slight tip, right? If you're in a different country and you know enough, as much of the language as Tom has demonstrated to this point that he does, when two police officers are leveling rifles at you, don't shout at them in English, because they might not understand what you're trying to say. Shout at them in Spanish, you might have a better chance. <laughs> the police then come ashore as the kids start crying and collect their dead and injured, pulling them up onto the dock and trying to help each other. The cop asks what sort of man could have, we get a dot 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 ellipsis, because kill a child is the thing he's trying to say or harm a child like that. Then he asks, where are the other people as he darts off into the town? The kids shout adios to him. He turns to see his crewmen are gone, possibly dead, and the kids are loading up on all the guns from the police boat. One of the kids gets a rifle trained on him and presumably shoots him. They cut away before we see it. They cut from this to the kids swimming and firing up boats, playing on one of them or just kind of jumping off of the bigger boats and everything like that. One of them asks if they are all going to go to the mainland and the kid says that they're going to fill up a boat and go, but not all of them can go because that would attract too much attention on the mainland. She asks if he thinks the children in the mainland will play as they do. He says, yes, that many children are in the world. Many. We roll those fucking credits. I love 70s European cinema for the nonstop downbeat endings like this. Like this yes. just, wow. Like nothing happy about this. This is a childhood apocalypse where children are just going to come and destroy the entirety of the world. And it's going to be this never ending cycle because eventually the children will grow up. And I mean, you clearly see the influence that this had on stuff like Children of the Corn much later on. It's all you right see, I, there. I, I, I say they wouldn't necessarily take over the world because let's remember, we only had Tom on this island and his wife. And uh, if they go to the mainland, there's going to be more people like you and me. And <laughs> there are moments in this film when I'm like, I was thinking of the, uh, the scythe pinata scene, especially. And I'm like, yeah, I could have taken all of them. I reckon I could, I could have knocked out three in one punch. So I, I, the odds are pretty good there. I mean, when there's loads of them in the street, that, that's a bit more difficult. And when they're tooled up. But there were various opportunities in this movie where he could have thinned the herd significantly. 
Yeah, it's almost like he's panicking and doesn't know what to do because the the film works on the premise of, well, what kind of adult could harm a child, you know, and, and how could a child be so vicious as to brutally murder an adult like this? It operates on the assumption that humanity is essentially good. And I'm wow. far too nihilistic for that because I'm in the same space where I like the minute that kid starts being an asshole about the stuff with the fishing and then we walk in and see that the town square is completely empty. I'm going to go back and I'm going to look and see what's going on with my boat, you know, mm. and I'm, I'm going to yeah. take my wife with me and be like, yeah, something's not right. Like there's multiple <laughs> opportunities where stuff is not right, where like all the shops are empty. There's burnt chicken everywhere. They can't call out from the island. I know it's four hours back and everything, but like clearly you need to get back in the boat and go around to a different part of the island or something, you know? Mm. Because nobody's there. This is a bad thing. And then when he comes across the kid that's like beating the old man to death with the cane, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't just be standing there asking the little girl why, why, why. I'd be <laughs> clocking that fucking little girl in the head with the cane myself and then going and getting my wife, holding on to the cane to keep it as a weapon and tell her everything that happened and try yes. to get us the fuck out of there. Like there's multiple turns where Tom could have done something other than mm. be like all supposedly dignified and, you know, trying to like rationalize everything that's happening and the fact that at every turn he covers everything up and tries to not concern his wife and not have her be afraid when she very clearly needs to be like fuck every decision this guy makes pretty much everything that happens to tom he deserves but all the stuff that happens to the wife she totally did not deserve that was horrible um, yeah. This movie will stick with you, man. Like, I mm. I don't want to say that I enjoyed it, but like, I'm, I was thinking about it all day while I was working today, you know, and yeah. I, I was thinking about it right after I was done recording or when I was done doing all the notes and everything and recording the clips and all of that. I was thinking about like, how am I going to talk about this? Because on one level, it does have that serious, crazy exploitation of, oh, the children are turning into murderers. We've seen that a bunch of times already in the exploitation world. This is one of the earliest versions of that. And then it has a very serious message of what if the children started doing to us as adults, what we've clearly been causing havoc and chaos on them. You know, like what what if that was turned around? Like what if their self-defense mechanism kicked in and they became this hive mind thing and attacked us? It's a really interesting concept of what caused it. And it just, I don't know, I, I could talk about this for hours and hours more <laughs> about what's going on in this film, but it's, I mean, we've kind of covered that ground while we were talking about it during the film. So mm. do you have any other kind of analytical stuff you want to talk about with this or... <clears throat> I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think it's pretty obvious what it was trying to do and saying. I say we've covered that. I what what I was thinking is at the end of this, I say it stays with you. But I was thinking because I'm a bit of a I don't know that those old films have to be safe to a point. And I know people hate the idea of remakes, but like in my head, there's a really good remake of this, which is a lot more vicious. Because um, <laughs> um, I, I don't think the film upset me as much as it would have done if we'd seen some of the acts of violence sort of carried through a bit more in a bit more of an exploitative fashion. Um, I mean, it, obviously, good filmmaking doesn't require that, but but I think a, a, a grittier modern retelling could do a really good job of this film. And there are that there are script and plot problems which kind of ruin it for me a little bit. It, in that he should have tried to leave and not explaining stuff, and it's 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 a bit too unbelievable in those moments. Um, but the the most interesting factor, I think, was the, the the trip and the fall, which was like really well filmed, shot, performed, because um, it really makes you wince. And then at the end, is it, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that it's a miscarriage from the fall. She's throwing up at the other house. There's sort of symptoms. It's not going so well. But you've also got the interaction with the little girl earlier. So you're like, 
did she voodoo the child? But then you're thinking, well, how does an unborn fetus destroy the mother from the inside? They don't really got claws or anything, you know. So it's not like these things are turning into gremlins. So um, it, it, <laughs> but it does leave you thinking along those. I mean, it's not baby Selwyn; he had teeth and claws. Yeah. Um, so it, it does leave you thinking on that point, um, and then sort of theorizing about what caused it. Was it a comet? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, it, it leaves you asking a lot of questions at the end, and I always love a film that does that. So, yeah, whole, I have to say, I like. I would say you might want to check out. I think it's a British film that's called The Children. I only have it as a digital film that I got through Voodoo. It was one of those like eight films to die for after dark festival like releases over here in the states. But it's around Christmas time. A family gets together in the English countryside, really far out there. They're snowed in for the most part, and all of the really young children start acting really strangely, and they sort of start infecting each other and then all hell breaks loose but it's all capped within this one family in this countryside and it has all the gore and the craziness that you're looking for so i think that may be Uh, a film that you might want to look at yeah (laughs) that the children is very close to what you're looking for it's just not an entire town on an island just four hours further south of spain you know (laughs) it doesn't exist (laughs) yeah but it's a hell of a movie to watch for christmas to get you into the spirit this year Uh, you know that's this coming year if you want (laughs) it's totally there uh, yeah, I really like the film. Um, I acknowledge all the things that you saw that you had a problem with, but I was using my imagination and wondering and the filling in the blanks with the gorehound in my own head of what that must have looked like, what that must have been like. And I love a lot of older films, so I don't mind using my imagination for the parts of me that want that gorehound aesthetic and it more gritty and brutal. But yeah, I can only imagine what a film like this would end up like if it were made for the more grindhouse audience in the later 70s or like early 80s like you know what if John Carpenter got his hands on this and did something really (laughs) grotesque with it or like a Peter Jackson or something along those lines it could be really intense and insane but in this kind of climate nowadays with school shootings and everything in the states I don't know how well that would go over because eesh (laughs) might not make your money back on that investment (laughs) wow but it's about getting their own back I don't know oh we'll see (laughs) Well, uh, we're really, really far over on the review part of it. If you're still game to do the news, I am. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, let's take a break here. We'll play the Geek Radio Daily promo. We'll have a little bit more music that was yanked right out of the film to annoy the shit out of Boz. And when we come back, we will do some PSYOP news. Are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery? Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones, Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a weekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather.
right, so we're coming back here, and we had a little bit of the music that annoyed the fuck out of Boz, just like I promised everybody. <laughs> I never want to hear that refrain again in my life. <laughs> it reminds me of like if someone were mentally divergent and or a little bit mentally handicapped and was trying to sing the theme of Suspiria to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what you know, the thing is, if I ever hear that note sequence again, though, it's going to give me images of fucking Auschwitz. That's the problem, because they put it over the beginning. And that's oh. the most harrowing part of the movie. Oh. Yeah, you definitely do not recover from that, even after you give me some psyop news. Remember, you volunteered for this, so this is all your fault. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Matt, <laughs> who will never listen to this, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> he might. Well, look, I volunteered for this because, um, obviously, I'm in the Cinema Psyops group, and I see the news items that get posted there, and um, it's that time of the year again. What did we get stuck in our rectums last year? Which I believe you've covered before, haven't you? Did you do it yearly? Uh, whenever it shows up, yeah. Oh, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? And on your yeah. rectal passage. Precisely. My but asshole of course, actually sweat. <laughs> they start with the upper part of the body and work their way down. So all reports are taken from the US Consumer Product Safety Commission's database of emergency room visits. All descriptions are verbatim. They don't put that in there. You might lose it. <laughs> um <laughs> As always, objects are sorted by orifice working south. Obviously, I'm not going to read every single one. You want to um, do a little ass play? They start with the ear. Um, and we've got things like uh, coffee grounds. Several hair bands is the one I found quite interesting there. Um, How do you get a fucking hair tie stuck in your ear? Just wearing loads and sleeping on them, I'm guessing. I'm not entirely oh, sure. Oh, yeah, that would probably do it. If you sleep with one in, I could see where it would roll off and then get into your ear. But like, why? Why would... Never mind. People are dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, so what? Sometimes it's not like just an item. It's a description of it. So this one says, car was rear-ended and he hit his head on the back of the front seat. C slash O headaches since, I think because of headaches since, also put a piece of paper in his right ear one month ago. What? All right. <laughs> I have okay, no so idea what that even means. Cause of is what I'm guessing is cause of. Was that, that C slash O? Cause of headaches for months later, but he also had a piece of paper stuck in his ear for months after that. <laughs> um, my, my next favorite one is, was sleeping when her four-year-old child broke wooden tip of paintbrush and put it in her ear. <laughs> Oh my God, at least it didn't rupture her eardrum. Jesus. I, I, I mean, looking at some of these, uh, some of them must have done. Uh, put a crayon in each ear in school, crayon removed from right ear, but not from the left. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene in that horrible Doc Hollywood where they pull a micro machine out of the kid's ear and then, like, the older brother goes running when the mother sees what it is <laughs> as to what's wrong <laughs> with the kid's ear. <laughs> Uh, uh, obviously there has to be a gross one felt like something there burning sensation flushed the air and a worm flushed out there we are oh yeah I remember somebody had like spiders crawling on their eardrum because like eggs got laid in there or some shit like that yeah and it was like this thunderous loud noise and I remember that creeped both Matt and myself out (laughs) big time and me (laughs) just thinking about that yikes so moving down from the ear, we now go to the nose. And obviously the first choice for the nose has got to be an earplug. <laughs> Why would you put... <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I just thought that was funny after the last Makeshift one. nose plug, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a steel nut. A, a toy lizard tail. <clears throat> uh, quite a bit of tissue paper. <laughs> uh, but my favorite one here has to be a pom-pom. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like like a cheerleader pom pom. Well, what else could it be? But how the fuck did that fit up someone's nose? Very carefully and with much rejoicing. Yeah. Um. So moving down, we're now onto the throat. Um. A plastic jail wristband was quite an interesting one. Somebody tried to swallow their jail wristband to cover up that they had it and it got stuck in their throat. I'm guessing. Um. In in quotation marks, a bee or a wasp. The fact they couldn't identify which is slightly worrying. Um, <laughs> I could see where that could get stuck because all it would take is one or two stings and the swelling would keep it in place. Um, and now covering all the musical genres, a uh, metal pipe, uh, a glow stick, um, or, a sm- or a small American flag. There you go. You, Ooh, is you, that you me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? Yikes. <laughs> no, don't get ahead of yourself, Matt. Uh, it's penis next. <laughs> oh, it's cock stuffing time? Clip. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, these aren't that imaginative. You know, you've got like a tongue ring, a balloon, a string of magnet- magnetic beads. Uh, the best one is probably playing with phone and fell asleep. When he woke up, his stylus was in his urethra. Injury occurred four days ago and didn't seek treatment. I'm going to shove the uh, porno magazine down your throat. Yeah, dude cock stuffed his fucking stylus and then couldn't get it out, waited four days and then panicked and went to the emergency room. But it's not as bad as the person who decided to use a metal screw in his urethra to cause an erection. (laughs) I don't even know how that logic works, but all right. (laughs) I'm thinking a hundred mil screw at least to me any kind of benefit, but depends on what you got. Oh, he's using the screw as more of a hold up than a stick up. I get it now. Yeah, like a like a a splint (laughs) (laughs) or like an internal splint. It's like a it's like a you stick a wire through like one of those like bendy gummy things to help uh like you know like <laughs> like Gumby yes. how he has the wire in the middle of all that stuff and that helps his arm stay up and a little more firm it's like that they're trying to Gumby their cock also clip yeah, that's a yeah just where my brain went <laughs> ouch uh, mega ouch so l- last couple on the penis a lanyard I'm like how much of a lanyard are we talking the rope the metal clasp both metal clasps and the rope or the actual large plastic card at the bottom as well. Well, if you're doing this for presentation's sake, I would say that you leave the clip part of the lanyard hanging out with the card still attached to it, so that when they ask to see your ID at work, you just drop trowel. <laughs> here it is! Hanging from my Prince Albert, yeah. <clears throat> um, and the last one we're going to mention here is, uh, in quotations again, has had a marble in his penis for the last four years and decided he needs it removed. Oh, that could be a couple of things, though. That doesn't necessarily have to be in the urethra because there's a movement of body mod folks that put like ball bearings and True. stainless steel mm-hmm. things under the skin because it supposedly enhances the feeling for both the partner and the person with the implants of those types of balls. So maybe he put a marble under the skin in his penis yeah, and decided but- to get it removed. But still, that's putting something inside your body. So it counts. I mean, that's the natural progression from the ampelang, isn't it? Which is the was the same reason that was used. <laughs> yes, but you know, to quote D. Snyder, God forbid you hit the spongy awesome, blood squirts everywhere. <laughs> Strange land, folks. I'm here all week. Uh so obviously we don't want to be sexist about this, and so now we have to cover vagina. Um <laughs> Lord knows I love to cover vagina. I mean the, the the bit I find interesting about this is um Afraid of vaginas. How, how these things got st- stuck and were not, not able to be removed without medical uh, aid, basically. Because two of the entries are small vibrator. And large vibrator. <laughs> I would uh, imagine maybe- that if it got past the main portion of where the muscles close, that, that would be more like stuck in a uterus. I could see where a small vibrator would be stuck up in the uter- uterus area past yeah, uh, the main yeah. opening, but like, yeesh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we could be. Yeah. Oh, that makes me wince. Um, uh, paper clips. 
oh, a do-it-yourself IUD. <laughs> that, that, that's what I was thinking. I, I'm curious on that one. Uh, one of my favorites here has to be three bags of meth. <laughs> Four calling birds, three bags of meth, <laughs> two <laughs> turtle doves, and a small vibrator stuck in the... <laughs> Um, my 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 penultimate favorite on this one was um just one word rock. Now is that a rock? Was that some rock? Was it ACDC? I don't know. I'm guessing it was of the Gwyneth Paltrow variety for her goo bullshit that she suckers people into. Yes, most probably. Um, so does that mean she'd also be responsible for the fact that somebody put a bath bomb in their vagina? <laughs> Yes, if she caused someone to steam their clam to the point where they burned their vagina. Yes, this is also her fault when someone puts a bath bomb in their twat. Oh, the, uh, no, it doesn't bear thinking about. So finally, <laughs> as, the, as, as the title promised us, what did people get stuck in their rectum? Oh, um, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? Um, no, but did you gotta have it now? <laughs> but there was a nail polish bottle. Oh. Um, I wonder if there's a letter missing in this one. Put pencil up rectum and now not able to sit. Uh, was, the, was the H missing? <laughs> no, I would. I could see where if the pencil is up there and it's lodged, it would cause discomfort with the prone sitting kind of thing. I could see where that could possibly be a thing. But I guess the lesson here for most folks is don't put things into your anus that you are not able to retract by a, some type of, I don't know, tether that can pull it back out or a handle that doesn't allow it to go all the way in, you know, like... Be judicious with your use of inserting things. I'm not telling you you can't. It's just that in this current climate with the pandemic, going to the hospital with stuff stuck in your ass is not a good thing for your health. Patient reports inserting deodorant can inside his rectum last night as he was constipated. Yeah, that's why you did it. <laughs> I mean, I could see where you would think that that would do you some good. Maybe, like maybe it'll expand it out and that will open up and blah, blah, blah. But that sounds like a makeshift butt yeah. plug clip. <laughs> You're just setting me up for my own clips here. I really am. Um, and th uh, what's quite funny about this is the very next one on the list. Shampoo bottle in his rectum that he placed there because he thought he was constipated. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. And I'm guessing that's not the same person. Yeah, I maybe they think it'll break up the constipation by doing that. But I think it's also just people get shit stuck in their ass. That's not from constipation. They just get things like shampoo bottles stuck in their ass from having a good time. And they try to come up with an excuse. So they say something like, well, I thought it was constipated. <laughs> More clips. <laughs> I, I, you know. Any medical professional, I mean, they, you, you go in there, you just go, yeah, you know what I did. Take it, fucking take it out. <laughs> right. They're going to uh, laugh at you and make fun of you, and you're going to end up on their TikToks and their Instagrams anyway. So just fucking get it over with and cop to what you did. Exactly. Laugh at yourself first. It's always worked for me. <laughs> Small foam football. Small foam um, football. So they nurse yes. their ass. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, this one lacks a lot of imagination because it just says stick. <laughs> Um, I mean, is that stick shift? Is that a rod? A a stick they found the stick they Could found about anything. the forest that they just picked up off the earth and <laughs> decided, yes, I'm going to vlad the impale myself. Yes, uh, love this one. Screwdriver in anus, handle fell. Oh, oh they were putting they they must have been putting it in backwards, <laughs> metal rod, and then Matt. the handle fell off because if you would go the other direction, you're perforating your colon. Yeah, I wouldn't advise that. Right, but if you want to no. use the handle to get yourself off, that makes a little bit more sense. But also, whenever you try to pull it back out with a screwdriver, you got to be mindful of that. So test the tensile strength of your handle that it will stay put whenever you try to pull it back out before you insert a <laughs> screwdriver. Now, now we have a, 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 a long selection here which sort of tie in together. So you've got vibrator ring, vibrator stuck in rectum, vibrator still on, 
Uh, five inch dildo, six inch dildo, seven inch dildo, ten inch dildo. <laughs> <laughs> well, the dildos it, it makes sense, and they're starting to manufacture those with like a little bit of a end to it, so that you know it doesn't get stuck because that helps people not get them stuck in themselves. But the apple, <laughs> I mean, it could have been a crab apple, you know, might not been too bad. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm thinking like Golden Delicious or like a really big Granny Smith. Cooking apple. You know, like if, yeah, if they're going for it, they're like fucking going for it. It's like the giant apple that you always see whenever someone's making an apple pie on yeah. TV. <laughs> Those big ass red ones. I'll never look at Betty White the same. Um, <clears throat> so I'm about, you're talking about medical professionals are going in with, uh, I've got something stuck in my rectum. Um, this this is kind of my favorite. Was intoxicated and is uncertain if she used her anal beads or not. Can't find them at home. None found in her ER exam. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you couldn't find your toy. So you went to the ER to find if you'd left it inside your person. That's funny. And none found in the ER exam. So I was just saying, it's like you couldn't find your toy. So you go to the ER just because you couldn't be bothered to look properly and have an exam because it might be up Whoa, your Well, what if they ended up some, up somebody else's ass and she forgot? It's better just to get checked out and be sure. But even still, weird. Like, how do you resolve that with a hospital bill? Clearly, they have universal health care wherever they went there because <laughs> you had to pay for that hospital visit otherwise. Um, so one of my favorites is a Weeble Wobble toy. I didn't even know they were still a thing. I remember those toys. They're probably still a thing just for that kind of fetishy thing where someone would buy them just for that specific reason. <laughs> but even still, man, like those things, like kids choked on them. So of course it's going to get stuck wherever you insert it, right? Like that's why they stopped <laughs> being made because they were killing kids. Yeah. And you joked about a foam dart earlier. Yeah. Nerf dart. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could totally see that one of those Nerf dart things. You imagine how it was delivered, right? They probably shot it from a Nerf gun, and that's why it went up too far. <laughs> that would make your eyes water. Um, six magic markers. <laughs> six magic. Six. Six of them, yes. I wonder if it's that, you know, there's like those type of like magic markers that they give kids over here in school where you stick them end to end and they will actually stick together and form a line. So I'm wondering if they were thinking that it would be fine, they could take them back out with all six of them, but... <laughs> the one that they were trying to pull back out snapped out and then the rest of them like the seventh one came out but the six that were still in there were all stuck uh, sh shitting a rainbow <laughs> <laughs> or if someone tries to eat them out they would be tasting the rainbow uh, see we did that right last two <laughs> last two promise um <clears throat> i like so just christmas lights <laughs> how, how how many meters i i need to know <laughs> did it have a control box and a plug <laughs> And how big were the Christmas lights? Are they like the old-fashioned glass bulbs, or were they like more safer LEDs? Like, what were you thinking? You're going to really... Like, all these people are lucky they didn't perforate their colon and die, because that's all it takes. You just... One hole yeah. in the colon, you're done. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd like to think whoever it was was sensible enough to use external Christmas lights, so they're IP rated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something, right? And last, but certainly not least, because it's the last one on their list as well, ending the article... Um, and I, I can't help but think that this one maybe happened in the South. Put dildo into rectum two days ago and was performing daily activities with it in place. When riding lawnmower, the dildo slid inside rectum completely. <laughs> yeah. 
There you go. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That, that was all that. sorts of nasty. Uh, I'm not bringing us back from this. Everybody, just be careful with what you're inserting into yourself. Make sure you can get it back out because hospital expenses are not something to shake a stick at here in the States. And also, it's COVID for fuck's sakes. Try to stay out of the emergency rooms as best you can. <laughs> Oh, brother. So we're going to play the Anti-Legion promo on that note. We're going to have a little bit more music that came right out of the film, and then we will close out this fucking show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. Yeah. And now that you mentioned it, now that that whole entire kids humming and all of that stuff is going to be stuck with the thought of all the shots from the Holocaust and all those other atrocities that children died in. So thanks for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just like to say for the record going out of this, I know we talked about like mowing down children for quite a long time in this show. For the record, I love kids. I wouldn't hurt one unless they absolutely force my hand. Okay. <laughs> I, on the other hand, can't stand children, so keep them the fuck away from me and they will be absolutely safe. But I also don't want to harm any living creature unless I have to. More animals than kids, though, because kids should fucking know better. Animals are just, you know, animals. They're more innocent. Yeah. Although I got I got <laughs> attack, attacked by a rabid chihuahua this week. Just came shooting out of this road. I was like... And the, the odor was useless, and I like I bent down to try and pacify it, but it was like teeth and snarls, and it was like it was trying to. It, I don't know if it was angling to bite my ankle or not, but I'm like, look, little doggy, I understand you've got a chip on your shoulder, and that it is not your fault. But if you bite my ankle, you're going over that fence. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 
Oh, that's, uh, yeah. It's kind of hard to uh, argue whenever the dog is going off on you, but even still, if you'd like to find other instances where I advocate for violence against children, it may be available on all of our previous episodes, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. And I actually don't advocate violence against children. Just going to say I understand. <laughs> If you'd like to join our Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps, and get on my case about advocating for violence against children or saying that I understand, you can do it there. I'm also available on Facebook as Court PsyOps, where irony is completely dead anyway, so, you know, at me on this, I guess. You can find Matt there as well as Matt PsyOps, and Boss, where can they find you? What kind of stuff can they find out about you? Uh, I don't know anymore. <laughs> um... Now, I used to do podcasts, um, but unfortunately, due to co-host difficulties and timings, we haven't done a horror podcast for a very long time. Um, So I won't pimp that one out, but I have started doing a fitness podcast, believe it or not. Um, It's called Better Hit The Mat. It's B-T-T-R, Hit The Mat, to be precise. And the initials stand for Boz, Travis, Tom and Ryan, who are the four hosts. Uh, Tom is actually a proper doctor, so he brings us some legitimacy because the rest of us are just piss-taking bastards. Um, And the show goes out on YouTube. It's very visual, um, so I'd recommend watching it rather than listening to it, but it is available on all good podcast outlet places. Um, Our tagline is allegedly a fitness podcast, and it's a support podcast really for the DDPY community, um, which is a a sort of 50,000-strong community. But it's accessible to anyone, and if you just... If you struggle with fitness, weight loss, things like that, and you're looking for a bit of motivation, especially with January coming up, um, it's it's probably worth checking out because the the guests we have on is what it's all about. Us making stupid jokes is only the the sidebar, really. Um, we've had Vance Hines on, who's had over. 78 million views on YouTube or something for his weight loss story. He lost almost 200 pounds in a year. Recently, we had Justin Dobbins, who is about to blow up big time because he lost 400 pounds in total. And uh, my wife. So, you know, (laughs) she was a great guest. Uh, But that you get all all stories from all angles about how people overcome self-image problems, huge weight loss or depression or like we, we are covering the gambit uh, we've got a show coming out in January, which is the, the guy coming on talk there. He's the head of certification for DDB Yoga. He has the most heartrending story you'll ever hear. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but how he has overcome the most difficult, challenging circumstances anyone could ever think to face. Um, he is just one of the most inspiring people you could ever listen to. So we're really honored that we're getting these people on. And yeah, this year coming, we're 11 episodes in at the moment. Uh, this will be the year of some celebrity appearances as well. So we're, we're up in the game. So if you want to check that out, please. I will include a link in the show notes on this. Since this is the thing that you're wanting to pimp out, I will absolutely do that. But I need you to send me said link. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which you could do to my feedback email, cinemasciopscourt at gmail.com. You could also message me on Facebook through Facebook Messenger with it. You could email it to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com, but let's face it, he's probably not going to respond. Although, folks, I did tell him to be on the lookout for messages of encouragement and everything like that, so keep those coming in for him, if you will. You can twit a couple of tweets on the hate-filled shitfest that is Twitter. I'm at court underscore psyop. He is at psyopmatt. Boz, are you on Twitter with any of your stuff? No, fuck Twitter. <laughs> it's not so bad if you follow all the porn bots. It's kind of nice. I am on there, but still. Fuck. <laughs> I'm also on Instagram as cinema underscore psyops, where don't you fucking dare mention 
because Fuckerberg is terrified of the female nipple <laughs> and female sexuality in general, apparently. I wish he would have never bought Instagram. He's totally fucking ruined it for all of us. But if you want to see the female nipple, Twitter is the place for you because all sorts of uncensored, unholy alliances are made there. Lots of nudity and porn is shared. And that's the only reason why I'm still on Twitter. <laughs> He's honest, ladies and gentlemen. He's honest. <laughs> and a real big fucking pervert. Well, while you're out there asking yourself, can I kill a child? Just remember that good old court psyops could because he kicked the fuck out of it. And this weekend, make it his bitch. I can finally hear you. Okay. Ah, it wasn't me. <laughs> no, it was it's a, a fucking Skype update. It took it off the USB thing that I normally use. And hmm. I was like, it's, I was thinking it was that. I'm like, it was either your USB headset wasn't being recognized. Usually it's Matt. So I'm always used to it being the other side of things. But in this case, I was like, no, this is boss. He knows what he's fucking doing. So this has to be on my side well, after it, that update. Plus, I have no options. Uh, this is basically laptop on board microphone capture. <laughs> it's that or Apple headphones, which are tinny as fuck. So. Oh, OK. Uh, so are you doing direct to your laptop mic or do you have like yeah. a... Oh. All right. Well, as long as it's, uh, you know, the fan doesn't get picked up or anything, I'm totally fine with that. I've never heard the fan on this computer, so I'm hoping not. Um, well, I don't even know if it has one. <laughs> the fucking Skype channel sounds pretty clean, um, so at least we'll have options, and I'm recording you on a separate channel, so that's all I yeah, can I mean, ask it's for. Not, it's not up to my usual standards, but uh, I did a playback on it, and I was, I thought, well, it's okay. And uh, <laughs> noisy my wife is, but... <laughs> I was about to fuck off from the other end of the house, but I didn't get one. Okay, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> when we first started recording with Matt on Skype, he was using an Xbox controller plugged into his computer with a headphone jack into that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So standards yeah. are not all that high for Skyping in on this show. It just it's an episode. We got to get it out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want to make sure I did it on the Skype side, but I want to make sure you can hear it. OK. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Loud enough for you. Or do you want it louder? That's oh, good. OK. As long as you can hear it, because there are 12 fucking clips out of this movie. <laughs> OK. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I was hoping there'd be lots of clips. Uh, I have a question. Sure, go ahead. Oh, I'm recording already. I hope you are too. Do, oh, of course. <laughs> okay. Can you give me a one, two, three clap before you do the question real quick, just so I can sync oh, up? Oh, sure. Yeah, I hope you sync up. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be obnoxious and count backwards. Three, two, one. How is that, that was obnoxious? Lame, lamest clap ever. Because you said count up, so I counted back. But I'm a yoga instructor. It's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you count down to the release? Uh, yeah, we, we count down and up at the same time. So because we do dynamic resistance, you'll breathe in to charge then you'll grab the imaginary dumbbells, barbells, whatever it is you're pulling, 
and as you pull in you'll go three two one but then the next one is three two two and so on which confuses the shit out of people the first time they do it no i, I get That's it it's fun. three two end next count three two three yeah. three two four yeah. which i think has a military stem but obviously i wouldn't know that <laughs> so. uh, yeah yeah i think it does that sounds very u.s military to me before the sync clap, the question I was going to ask yeah, go right ahead. is that when you have a guest, is it allowed to do PSYOP news? I mean, I don't see why not if you want to read the article, because I'll be fucked if I'm going to do it. I got to run all the <laughs> stupid fucking clips. Um, whether or not people will be up in arms about it, that's that's up for them to really decide, like, how fucking dare you without Matt, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I was thinking how up in arms would Matt be, but he won't fucking listen, so who cares? <laughs> well, well, that and I, I honestly don't think that he would be real precious about that kind of stuff he's just not like that you know what i mean like it's it's part of the show and if he's not there it would be like a guest filling in just like if you were to do the whole entirety of the review but i'm nicer to the guest than i am for you know i mean you're the one that's helping me out of a jam here so if you want to do a fucking news segment i'll set up that you can do a news segment i'm fine with that i just have to move it's some just, clips over it's just that it's it's that time of year again and we've got the what did we get stuck in our rectums last year article <laughs> which is always fun <laughs> sure, well, let's fucking do it. I should warn you also, this is um, this only all became possible last week, because obviously our house in Spain has no internets. Um, so this is running off of a mobile MiFi, uh, which has unlimited data, supposedly. It's only glitched out on us a couple of times, and I taught a live video workout on Facebook earlier this week. So I'm trusting that audio will be fine, <clears throat> he says as he hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, force quit time. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> this is riveting fucking radio. It's a good thing that I do outtakes. That cock and shit's like metal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're fully set up and we're ready to go. You good to go on your side? Yeah, yeah, good. It's <laughs> our secret. We won't tell anybody that hasn't listened to this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oh, shit, that's coming in. Com. Oh, I'm recording it's on my channel and I replace and all this stuff. So if you need to talk to me over something, if something oh, comes okay. up, just let me know. Podcast entertainment. I was just going to say, please, but God, don't folks, play the music from the film. out of the show isn't really helping these days. People <laughs> tips in their bartending jobs or been put on furlough with no pay. Till the oh, but I do use all this stuff, too. Just FYI. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up Amazing. a GoFundMe for members of our community. A sort of grand You can fit scale my complete actual outtakes that I don't use in your wallet. For whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can wow, drop you know, a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. Never. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water to be my favorite part Well, how about week? you give me a shout at Bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need. Sorry, you're going to have to suffer through at least one minute of the soundtrack for me to get like a a space to be able to fill in and move around audio. If I just scream in pain throughout, at the Legion Podcast. Sure, I suppose. (laughs) For those of you who are able... In I like you went for the low death metal. And members uh, of our hello today. That was very good. Hey, here we are. Remember, <laughs> I was trying to do my disarray impersonation, and we're all going to get through this together. <laughs> I, d- I, d- I was considering do, if he does name, the long hello, do I do I Thanks try for and listen to all the shows <laughs> here on Legion Podcast? And we'll talk to you soon. Oh, my vocal cords are shot. So this week, so it's not going to do it. Uh, this is all right. I just thought it was the, n- the annoying refrain that kids hummed. <laughs> no, that's next. Oh, no. oh, if you think that's the bad, just wait, because all five of these of the instances of I clipped. <laughs> a large nomadic you motherfucker! Able to find refuge. <laughs>
I know, I'm the fucking worst, but I don't want to write all this stuff down and say it out loud. Fuck! Because when I was doing this, I didn't realize that there were going to be five of them, so I just did them all individually and was like, going to put them all together, but then I'm like, nah, fuck it, this will annoy Boz even. <laughs> well, no, you, you cut the kids out, so I'm happy. <laughs> and I wrote it down as Amarath, as the band name, slash... Deity. <laughs> <laughs> yep, metal as yeah, fuck, we'll Boz. Metal as fuck. Yep. <laughs> Amarath. <laughs> as it means... <laughs> what, fellow Canadians, you mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean me. They would want to... The, the Canadians would want to avoid me. <laughs> yes, fellow Canadian. Uh, you just uh, call uh, back. Right, right. Yes, because when I'm on vacation, I'm Canadian. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I was already thinking ahead of something else that I wanted to say, so I totally didn't even pick up what you were putting down. That'll make a brilliant fucking outtake of me being an idiot, though. <laughs> she starts. Oh god, because it was so annoying. Yeah, she's turning things up and down. He thought that was annoying. You should have tried editing that shit out of the fucking clip where they're talking over it. <laughs> Oops. Well, that's the end of that clip. <laughs> That leads. Creepy old mom's dead too. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> that leads to our pent ultimate quit. Uh, pent ultimate clip. Try to say fancy words and fuck up like an idiot, Court. It's just possible all the. <laughs> try. Uh, Tom. I'm just going to skip those and put those in later. <laughs> Save us okay. some time. No okay. Yes. Okay. Got the thing ready. <clears throat> Sorry, my uh, voice is being a dick. It's not been used like this for a while. <laughs> well, I'll play a little bit of the music so you can talk about how annoying it is when we come in before I oh. ask for the PSYOP news. <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one. Sorry, dude, my recording stopped. So you, you'll have that last bit there. Um, but we're going to have to resync. Go ahead. I don't know what stopped. Okay, rolling again. Three, two, one. could because he kicked the fuck out of it and this weekend make it his bitch <laughs> and i'm sorry it's so long but when us two get together <laughs> it's in it all right you can go ahead and uh stop recording on your side i'll stop rolling on mine